This episode of Watch Out for Fireballs is dedicated to everyone who donated during Duckstream 2021, uh, probably our biggest Duckstream. A huge success, all thanks to the generosity of people who donated. We really appreciate you. It's for a great cause. Uh, very, very lucky to be able to do such a thing every year. Appreciate you. Happy New Year. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireball's Dispatch, our monthly Q&A listener response game announcement topics episode. Yeah, we are going to be answering your questions. We've got a topic. We're going to be talking about Duckstream, uh, just to uh, mm-hmm. give you a little bit of heads up there. Reading response to Fallout 4 and revealing February's games. Yeah, the month of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the month of uh, President's Day. Yeah, or is yeah. that January? P- P- President's Day for you. You know, I I, I remember sure. a time when it when there was George Washington Day and Lincoln Day, and they said yeah, we can't have we, we 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 can't have two Monday holidays, uh, so we're going to combine them and just this toss is just, them all into a big pot. Yeah, this is just one. This is just one uh, more instance of our liberty liberties being eroded. Do you think that all the presidents that are in hell are forced to live in some kind of big grand floon? I think like every all together is one big flesh orb. Gary, every president's in hell, and yes, no, no that's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> like just as, and they just roll like president, you know, and this big fleshy orb just like rolls down a track, like mm. as soon as you get to, you know, hell, just just big and big and white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a big white with a tiny little eye of Sauron that is. <laughs> The soul of Barack Obama. <laughs> the uh, in, uh, already in hell. It is own crimes. Uh, anywho. Anyway. <laughs> the politics are good, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get uh, let's get into it. Uh, we're we're loopy. It. We're after Duck Stream and then also before our uh, winter break. <laughs> and I'll speak for me. I'm burned the fuck out. I oh, need this yep. break. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> I do too. Shoot this motherfucker. I'm done. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, oh, no. God. Uh, Duncan Geddes, Geddes uh, asks, uh, are there any game series or worlds that you wish were mega franchises with potential or varied spinoffs, a la Mario or Final Fantasy? Or do you not want to see your favorite uh, favorites made into bastardized kart racers? Uh, I mean, there's nothing specifically that I feel a, like a like a, a desperate need to see made into a kart racer spinoff kind of thing. Also, mm-hmm. like there just aren't really that many... Uh, uh, like mega franchises, you know, like like thinking of like Maurice and stuff. It's like stuff that I'm not. Well, this is something you w- wish were made into one. Right, yeah. So, like, do you want like the Frostpunk? Oh, and you were they, that you, you wish know, were game. mega franchises with potential for varied spinoffs. Okay, yes. There we go. 
Um, yeah, since you understood the question, I'm gonna I'm going to defer to you for the first answer. <laughs> a little reading comprehension win right here. A little bit. Uh, the the uh, not not really. I don't. But there's nothing that I want to see spared either. Right. You know. So like I I can love like an indie thing, mm-hmm. and then if somebody like tomorrow wanted to put out, you know, I don't know, Binding of Isaac, Kart Racer, or something like that, uh, I'd be fine. Yeah. You know, be be you know content, and it'd be fun to to poke at. So so not really. Sorry for the non fun answer. Just uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. It, it's not something I miss, and it's also not something I would mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that like I don't know. It, it, I pretty much fall in the same place. The thing that would be cool is if like creators who I enjoyed uh, were able to be prosperous because that mm-hmm. happened. You know, but like. You know, even things that I love, people joke about like the Dark Souls or Bloodborne cart racer, and I'd I'd buy and play the hell out of that. You know, yeah. <laughs> there maybe a time I would have thought that would sully something, but then yeah. I I realize that's a fiction. Yes, I think very much so. Oh. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think ambivalence is an answer on this. Um, yes, Matthew writes. I have recently been playing a heck ton of Dawn of War and its amazing expansions. RTS games like that are my favorite thing in the world, even though I'm terrible at planning and strategy, and always lose or could never in a million years play against real people. Uh, do you guys have any specific genre or mixed genre of game that you absolutely love to death, but seem to be incapable of getting decently good at? Uh, side question because uh, because what they did to Dawn of War breaks my heart. Are there any games you loved where the sequels were so completely different in style that it killed it for you? Um, RTS is I'm pretty close on RTS as well. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty bad at RTSs, but I really like them, um, and that's why I only play the the single player mode. Right, um, and that that goes to uh, I would add that to any competitive genre that uh, speed. Is really a factor? Yeah. Because um, I, I want to take it slow and, like, build my gaze, base and learn how to do stuff. And mm-hmm. the way to be good at RTS games and the way to be good at fighting games and everything are always aggression. Yes. Uh, and I don't care for aggression. No. Uh, so so I used to be good at fighting games back in the day. Now I'm not. And I still like, you know, like them in theory. I like the idea of uh, these ver- various movesets and kind of builds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when a new Smash Brothers character comes out, I like to see what they're all about yeah but i can't i'm not aggressive enough to actually be good at them yeah pretty much the same i've at varying points in my life tried to get into fighting games um and it has always never worked (laughs) i just uh just uh play it very casual only do like the the campaigns against uh again against the computer and even do very poorly there so yeah i'd say probably fighting games um like i i would also like throw racing games in but like there's enough of a uh there's enough of a you know kind of like say gamut of different uh like demands that are placed on you from different games you know where like i can find and be happy at the burnout and forza horizon um kind of level yeah yeah i'm probably the same way with racing games i just haven't played very many of them yeah i've been itching though Mm -hmm. racing games are fun uh, and then any any sequels where uh, or any series where the sequels were too different and kind of uh, killed it mm-hmm. for me. Um, this happens with um, a bunch of you know this happened with a bunch of the Nintendo franchises. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not a Metroid Prime liker. Metroid Prime went away for a long or Metroid went away for a long time with me. Yeah. Um, as a not a 3D Zelda 
liker. Yeah. Those went away for a long time with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so basically Ocarina did this for me. Yeah. Uh, probably the closest thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, like, this is not extremely severely, but you know, after re4 which is itself a treasure i think just kind of intrinsically the switch to the more action focused style of resident evil lost me before it went back to Mm -hmm. re7 style stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh greg asks uh studies have shown that video games especially minor puzzle games help older people retain memory keep their mind sharp and help with reflexes thinking about that i bought my parents a nintendo ds with some brain puzzle games a few years ago to help them out since they're both in their 70s and my dad is showing signs of memory problems already not sure how much it's helping but they still use it today have you guys ever done anything like this and if so how well did it work the brain age yeah craze. yeah um yeah kind of i played drainage for a little bit mm-hmm. um i don't know if it worked though i i don't know what measuring intelligence looks like and neither right. does science right you know it's it's kind of like measuring intelligence in some ways is is this weird very fraught mm-hmm. very political uh kind of fiction we yeah. all believe in um, well, people want so to take know. that number and use it as a reason to treat other people badly uh whenever it's done like at a systemic scale so it's i always cast kind of a side side eye at it yeah People want to have stats. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 I tend to resist being statted. I don't, I don't like, uh, stats or categorization, mm-hmm. uh, things for people or for me specifically. Yeah. Um, I, I had fun yeah. with it. It was fun having like a little puzzle to do. I like puzzles. Mm-hmm. A little electro- electronic mm-hmm. Sudoku was fun in brain age. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, but I, it, so it worked in terms that it was fun, but I don't know if it yeah. helped keep me sharp. No, and I've never, uh, you know, given a game to, like, family members, you know? I think my mom plays a couple of, like, just real basic, like, sliding puzzle tile games on her phone, but is not, like, mm-hmm. especially crazy about them. My grandpa um, fell into very severe dementia, you know, ended up in a memory care ward, uh, pretty much the most nightmarish thing you could imagine happening, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, outside of, like, specific physical, you know, bad things that happen. You know, we tried to keep him in, like, word searches and crossword books for a while, just because, like, a uh, video game's just kind of weren't in the cards for it and he enjoyed doing them but it didn't you know it's impossible to say if it slowed his descent especially given how far he descended uh before the end yeah right yeah uh difficult to measure yeah you know if, if it if it's you know if joy is coming from it it's a good thing yes in those situations i don't necessarily think it needs to um cure anything Mm-hmm. to justify itself not saying that that's what greg is saying but mm-hmm. for me it can be a good thing just because it's occupies the mind and yeah you know get some joy out of it yeah um sleepy smells writes happy near crimbo dudes enjoyed the fallout four month enough that it got me to give the game another stab uh being a former salem resident uh the witch museum quest in particular was a hoot some of the details of salem's layout are slightly fudged uh but that museum is a real place in a cool old church just like that one uh inspired by that what is a real world landmark that you would like to see a fallout apocalyptic version of uh, uh landmark is doing the work in this yep <laughs> for me because the real answer is always my hometown or where i live now of course like uh you know there, there's a uh but the landmark it'd it be chernobyl because that's me of course because i'm me yeah you know? um my favorite building in the whole world is the ohio state reformatory people know it from the movie mm-hmm. shawshank redemption and a bunch of other movies uh it'd be cool to see that uh in a game 
because old prisons are uh, are neat. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say it's weird that uh, Fallout didn't use more prisons as dungeons, but then there's the Powder Gangers. Yep, in uh, in New Vegas, it is strange that there aren't more, but the Powder Gangers definitely looms large. Yeah, um, they're also like in terms of buildings, like the layout is very you know industrial mm-hmm. and lots of like little tiny rooms and stuff. I could see why they're not because there aren't like a whole lot of hallways. Yeah, like, there's like a back area, but the cell blocks mm-hmm. are you know I imagine. Yeah. Look like a cell block of, block of a prison. So I can understand why that doesn't show up in video games that often. Mm-hmm. Um, the specific of it would be cool, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's you know. like, beautiful admin areas, and there are, like, workshops and stuff where, uh, you know, they had uh, you know, gave prisoners jobs, i.e. Uh, yeah. modern-day slavery. Slavery. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, um, and then, who knows, in Fallout, they could uh, have some new slaves there. Yeah, why not? You know? Yeah, carrying on the tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the walking man, uh, asks, I'm curious what your thoughts are on Peter Molyneux's play to earn NFT game. Where do you guys think the current state of the industry is in terms of monetization, monetization, monetization in general? Do either of you engage with microtransactions at all? Um, all I did, all the only thing I saw this Peter Molyneux thing was see like mention of it yeah. and people talking about it. And then like immediately got so exhausted. I had to take a plane to the moon and <laughs> jump into the sun i was just like i i don't yeah, i hate just, this i don't it, i'm gonna hate it i don't want to learn about it i don't want to get mad for energy points yeah today just, like i'm just like uh you know not not calling anybody out who's commenting on just being mad for energy points but right. that's what i would do out of it no Maybe a way to no. get angry enough to get out of bed and i didn't i didn't want that if yeah anything with nfts just fills me with somber thoughts of burning planets and not just because yeah. of the environmental thing. I just think it's, it's just grifters going to grift. There's nothing that makes m- more sense than Peter Molyneux trying to get in on that fucking racket, especially after what of he course, did with, yeah. uh, with, uh, what is it? The, the cube what's in the box game or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Your boy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, all of that. Uh, so it is fucking dismal that there are big companies like ubisoft getting in on this uh, i think yep. that trying to introduce scarcity into uh a system where like the lack of scarcity was one of the like only good things about it <laughs> is mm-hmm. fucking depressing as hell uh oh. yeah and as far as like microtransactions go if i like the game and i like the developer i i will spend money on what's there mostly just as a way to give them money not so much for like in-game stuff so like i like super stickman golf enough that it's like i've played you know probably tens or maybe a hundred hours of this game i'm going to spend twenty dollars on the little coins for the uh hat game for the hat gotcha bond kind of thing mm. uh if i get cool hats from it cool uh but this is more about supporting a developer that i enjoy I will I will unlock stuff mm-hmm. in a game. I'll I never do anything cosmetic uh yeah. in a general sense, but I will like like Night of the Full Moon is a deck builder on iOS I played and I ended up buying all the classes mm-hmm. for it because it was just fun and they played different. I don't know if that's quite a microtransaction or an expansion. It's fall somewhere between probably. Yeah. Um why why is every why is are there no aesthetically pleasing NFTs? I think because they're all the ugliest, dumbest looking thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. Right. 
Like they all look like tattoo tattoo regrets. <laughs> like somebody get one of these horrible chimps as a tattoo, and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to have that guy. Oh, they, they, like, look, they look like pogs because it's it's almost literally just uh, like they they made a character generator kind of thing with like different mm. accessories or whatever, and then just procedurally generated every single. Um, Every, you know the, the popular ones they procedurally generated every single variation that they could in order for people to mm. you know to buy them so they're not like hand drawn there are actual artists who have mod you know monetized versions of their art uh through something akin to nfts but like the ones that you see because they're ridiculous because the entire thing is ridiculous is all this proc gen shit they're so gross looking mm-hmm. and i think also think the artists i like tend not to do it yeah. So I'm not seeing artists I like very much because they're avoiding this whole thing. Yes. Um, in terms of like industry monetization, uh, what I would want is smaller games they didn't have to do this shit for and you could just buy the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't uh, – there is diminishing returns in terms of gigantor, gigantor budgets mm-hmm. and stuff that uh, mandate this kind of monetization. Um, and those tend not to be games I'm that interested in anyway. Yeah. So like a big, beautiful, eternal games of service game, uh, I generally am just not that interested in. Right. Um, and I, th- I think it's probably arguably pretty harmful Yeah. to the art form, if not just the planet and everything. Uh, I think it can sit on an egg. I'm just going to post, I'm just, just going to do an audio version of that meme that says, I want to pay more money for shorter games that, that look worse, that people uh, got vacations while they or, yeah, paid more we, for. Yeah, get paid yeah. more for. Um, and I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. That, that I think is the is the only tenable way forward. Anything else that just says like, hey, this game is free, but tries to monetize you in other directions just complicates the relationship between uh, creator and the people who are paying for it. And that is room for people to get screwed. Uh, probably yeah. most likely the rank and file people who worked on it. Even even putting aside any of the moral arguments, I tend to just like the games better. Yeah, that are not that. Like you know, to me the strongest arguments are ones where you can put aside a moral argument. Yeah, because that outmaneuvers uh, any you know accusations of virtue signaling or anything right, like that. Right. Like putting aside all moral arguments, mm-hmm. I still would rather play something like a, a smaller or double A game. Yeah than destiny yeah too i you know I, I, I'm, I'm good i, I find need that i find mmo type stuff repetitive you know yeah it's just you know and i would just a bespoke thing that's made by a smaller team that has a, a complete story mm-hmm. or does something interesting with mechanics is just better artistically to mm-hmm. me um it doesn't even have to be you know putting aside any kind of moral concern yeah i saw a tweet uh at some point i wish i still had it where somebody uh the the uh, button on the end was somebody countering an NFT argument with, I just right-click saved your mom's pussy and maybe laugh in a big way. Of course. <laughs> yeah. of course. So yeah, next time anybody argues that to me, I'm going to right-click save their mom's pussy. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Uh, um, anywho. <laughs> anywho. Uh, Alex writes, uh, the game industry comes together and decides to do a fun bit where they trade all IPs. Which developer and IP combo would you most like to see? Which one would have the greatest comedy potential, good or bad? Um, I want to see, uh, boy, like from software. Uh, I mean, we've talked about, like I want a from Zelda, mm-hmm. like scary. Actually, do Breath of the Wild, but make it apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And then uh, there's mine. You go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's have uh, let's have Frost Pick Lodge and um, uh, oh gosh, Popcap Ice Pick Lodge, Ice Pick Lodge, P- Pathologic folks. Yeah. 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 So pathologic devs take uh take up pretty much any uh popcap uh property mm, and popcap needs to make them. yeah popcap needs to uh, to make a game in the pathologic uh, license. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd play pickle logic. <laughs> um, pickle, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to a life question here. Uh, Lucky says, "Well, there are two here." Uh, uh, in real life, you find a scroll of find familiar. Uh, it can be any animal, and your constitution is not affected, like in some uh, versions of the spell. You can communicate telepathically and perceive through the eyes and ears of your familiar, uh, and temporarily, uh, but for as long as you want, dismiss them into a pocket dimension. They act independently, but always follow your commands. Uh, they do not eat. They, they do not need to eat or drink. What is the animal that you choose? I'm going to presume I can't just choose pocket. Yes. You know, pocket is my familiar. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I have one, I've already found my familiar. Um, I think that it'd be impossible. Uh, so assuming this animal is immortal. Yes. Okay. It doesn't have to eat or drink, you know, but I don't have to worry about like a two year lifespan or whatever. Mm-hmm. I might choose like a dragonfly or like some kind of bug. Ooh. At first, at first I was thinking a bird because it could fly, but then I was like, a bird can't, like a bird gets inside a, a building, it's an emergency, and I want to be able to like spy on shit. <laughs> I don't you know? know. I've been inside an awful lot of grocery stores where there's this, there's this birds up in the rafters and nobody seems to care. <laughs> but how many like record stores have you been into where there's just a, like you can get into some, some stores as a bird. You don't know how, you don't not know every, how I live. Not every store. <laughs> I, not how many record stores okay not how many record stores you've been in in general but where there's just freestanding birds like birds don't birds only go into big stores yeah you know no. they're funny that way mm-hmm. um so yeah so i might choose some kind of bug for usefulness it wouldn't be very cute so my, my cute answer is pocket mm-hmm. my useful spying answer is uh some kind of flying insect yeah uh, some kind of hawk or falcon would be pretty cool, but um, uh, taking your practical consideration in, I think something like a ferret, like a ferret or a oh, weasel sure. would be good, you know, get yeah. that get that ground-based stealth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, may, I mostly want to be able to send it into uh, the bedrooms of despots and murder them. True. True. You know, so like something that is, that is sneaky enough to get into a bedroom mm. and strong enough to clear, like carry a vial of poison nobody suspects the butterfly yeah, yeah. It, it my brain immediately turns this into how could i murder the worst people on earth uh, yep. so, who, who knows uh but pocket's the cute answer oh uh, yes uh and I, I i don't know it'd be hard to pick but then obviously greta greta would have to be the one she's calmer and more compliant dotty is uh spicy more susceptible to mind domination. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, also, it'd be real weird if you were like, so if I were in Pocket or or you were in Greta, you'd then interact with, with Dottie mm. or I would interact with Jessica. And it'd be weird. It'd be very <laughs> strange. Like, hey, ah, ah, stop. It's like, <laughs> ah, what are you doing? Uh-huh. I know this is sweet, but like, it's real weird. That's my rib you're licking. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh man, uh, there's a there's a second one here uh, again related yeah. to D and D type stuff. Uh, you gain the ability to cast any official version of any uh, spell from D and D that isn't a healing, cure disease, or resurrection spell. I'm going to assume that Lucky also wants to put in like wish or limited wish in there as yeah, well, or create food and water. Yeah, great food and water would be uh would be another one here. Uh, they're, try, can... they're trying to, to sidestep the altruism answer. Yes, that side that totally derails every single fun hypothetical question in the world. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, know. uh, you can cast it uh, as many times as you want, and without any spell components. What do you choose? It's a good question. Um, I've got uh, an answer. Polymorph. Oh, polymorph. Polymorph is a good one. Yep. Polymorph, but polymorph uh, self or polymorph just in general? Uh, not ba- not baleful polymorph. Poly- polymorph self. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Huh. No, and that... there's a bunch of these that'd be great. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then a bunch of I, I don't have a, a memory of all of them. So, like, part of me wanted just to like do a chump like Tenzer's floating disc. You know, because it would be nice to get home and not have to carry groceries, but I can think slightly bigger than that. <laughs> I, I, was, I God damn it, Gary, I was going to do Tensor's floating disc. <laughs> <laughs> like, be slightly better than not having to lift things if I have this magical power. It'd be pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah. It would be really rad. Yeah. Um, boy, oh boy. <laughs> I was going to do Tensor's floating disc, but I'm just going to close uh, that Mage out. Mage Hand would be rad. Uh, Mage Hand would be really good. Yeah. 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 yeah, big bees like big bees grasping hand like a big mage hand. I mean, just a just a way to fucking squeeze people to death. <laughs> yeah, I'd become a superhero called the High Five. Ooh, and I, I would just uh, I sneak into the bedrooms of despots and kill them with my gigantic big bee hand. There we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they gotta go. Oh man, got swatted. Uh, hmm. Uh, James Lewis asks, uh, obviously you guys are very much cat people, but from listening to you both for a long time, you seem like dogs as well and don't fit into that tiresome binary of loving cats and hating dogs or vice versa. Have you ever considered owning a pupper? Hope you both have a peaceful and relaxing holiday season. Signed, James in London. Thank you, James. James. I hope that for you as well. I like dogs. Uh, They just seem like an awful lot of work uh, and attention that I cannot provide to an animal. So it is fun to be a dog uncle, uh, but I am more suited to being a cat parent. Uh, I like dogs quite a bit. I think that if I ever own a house or end up in a big place, I would mm-hmm. like to get a dog and then that rounds out my pets. Mm-hmm. Um, I met an amazing dog Ooh. Saturday. Uh, Andrew, who plays guitar in our band, uh, he watches dogs mm. and he had a dog, uh, a black one-eyed dog owned by two like cheerful metalheads named Sauron. Oh, oh God, and that's such a good name for good. a one-eyed dog. It's oh, a great man. name for a one-eyed dog, and it was a great one-eyed dog. <laughs> I love this fucking dog. And every like every couple of weeks, I go over there for band practice and fall in love with a dog. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. At some point, I'm gonna have to do this. Like, it is a lot of work, and I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I think that would round out my pets really well. Yeah. No, I just I I love being around a dog. I, I, honestly, I I do not you know I do not miss working in an office. Fuck that fuck working around mm-hmm. other people uh but i do miss working in a dog friendly office uh because yes. uh just just wonderful way to get to meet and just hang around a lot of extremely good dogs yeah the yeah the cat person dog person binary uh, is frustrating i think the the, the the secret is like all animals are cool and good 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get, uh, I watched a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. Did you watch this YouTube video that's going around where it was, uh, raising, uh, uh, grocery store lobster as a pet? <laughs> like Pinchy? Yeah. Okay. Did you, did you watch that? No, I didn't. It, it's 15 minutes. They call it a movie. It's, it's mandatory viewing. Okay. Uh, watch it as you're going to sleep. Cause it's kind of got Joe Pera relaxing vibes. Okay. It's not played for comedy. Mm. Uh, it is. It's very sweet. But it, I did watching this guy like humanize this lobster. Mm -hmm. It was giving me like intense like why do I eat animals right. feelings right. that come around every once in a while. And then I try vegetarian for vegetarianism for a little bit. It doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Especially now as I increasingly cannot eat like cheese with <laughs> abandon or like you know, I'm running out of to eat. I'm I'm a I'm a polar bear on the edge of the. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it, it's a it's awesome like mm -hmm. you gotta see it it's I great will, i will make a note of this yeah it's very good it the first thing if you search uh google or youtube for keeping grocery store lobster as pet <laughs> it is the first thing that pops up okay nice uh yeah. <laughs> just imagine it's like that uh the episode of review where he uh has to euthanize his bearded dragon that's, that's so sad. <laughs> Beyonce. Where's Beyonce? Oh. oh. Uh, so, interparty conflict. We're moving on to a media question here. As, uh, what are your thoughts about zombies and media? Are they overdone, not done enough, or just right? Is there a particular type of zombie or portrayal of zombies that you really love or hate? Uh, I dig zombies. Mm -hmm. I think zombies are fine. I think that like they're dumb as a, a thing on shirts and stuff. Yeah. You know, like when it, we were at the height of that stuff, Yeah, uh, that was a bummer. But uh, in before the, the absolute uh, height of it, I was pretty into those. I like all of the original George Romero yeah. zombie movies quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, zombies are good. Yeah. To me. Dawn of the Dead, Day Resident of the Dead, Evil, especially. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I love Day of the Dead. Yeah. That movie, I should throw that on Filmable at some point. That Dude. movie fucking owns. Yeah. It's a, that, that is a cool zombie movie. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like that. I like it when the, when the allegory is exceptionally heavy handed, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to just being kind of like the, you know, the wallpaper, you know, like a yes. walking dead for as good as those games are. And as good as like, at least the comics that I read were, you know, I fell mm -hmm. off of the show, but where it's just like, ah, yes, these eventually become nothing. The real danger is the other people. I'm not so much into that. I feel like that's just kind of, you know, just the, like the basic cookie cutter story that you can tell with them. Um, sure. And my my love or hate of them just kind of like ebbs and flows. I think that just they become oversaturated and they go away then they come back in a different form. You know, like if this mm -hmm. question was asked like six to eight years ago, I would say, oh, yeah, it's played. But yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, um, yeah, to, to, to me, it is genuinely good. Yes. You know, it more often than not. Mm -hmm. So into them. Yeah. Um, and specifically I, I really like, uh, my favorite non-metaphorical zombie treatment is stuff that takes place weird times after yeah. the, uh, the outbreak. Mm -hmm. So land of the dead, um, what is it? Uh, yeah. Or day of the dead land of the dead. Um, you know, how does the world move on from this? Like the good walking dead. Yes. Uh, story arcs. Um, that stuff is great to yeah. me. Uh, I really like how do we do this? And especially specifically like the weird science angle of day of the dead, mm -hmm. like day of the dead's fucking thrilling. Like <laughs> yep. that's such a good movie with Bob, like speaking English and shit. <laughs> like, like it's, it's wild. 
you know? Um, yeah. Uh, Jonathan asks, why is review so goddamn good? Because uh, John Day, or Andy uh, Daly is a genius. Yeah, Andy Daly, uh, incredibly. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's it's incredibly well written. But like, and an, Andrew Andrew Daly, uh, it performs that character so well. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he he really inhabits his characters. Uh huh. He's, he's a he's an amazing uh, performer. I'm always uh, disappointed that like he hasn't had like a breakthrough. Yeah. You know, the world, he didn't have, he's never had like a Nick Kroll kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. he always guest stars and that stuff, but he never, you know, review didn't do it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. I, 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 I just, I love review. And I think that it, uh, for, for as good as the supporting cast is on that, like even his intern and his intern's girlfriend, his intern's a, a, amazing, yeah. <laughs> you know, <Secretary. laughs> like just the, the, the supporting cast is amazing, uh, pre- pretty much universally. Uh, but I think that it does come down to, to Andrew Daly that and just like the 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 consistent tone and rules and again this is a this is a thing with heart as well you know Mm -hmm. like the people around him try so hard they give him so many chances yeah (laughs) uh it is a funny show yeah Ah, goddamn um let's see uh moving on to some show questions matt bixler hello uh, says I start, I started re-listening to Monster in my podcast for Spooky Month, and it reminded me of how much I loved having a five-minute-ish podcast with a very long backlog. Do you have any interest in returning to that very short forum format? It's one quick chore, uh, one quick chore perfection. Uh, thank you mm-hmm. for the kind words. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like I don't know. that was fun to do. Uh, it never did numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, it, and, and I think part of that was because of the weird format. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, it's, uh, there's so many things that we, we would like to do. Uh, the ones that are off the top of the head, that, my head that we think about, or that we've talked about are not, wouldn't lend themselves to that. No, no. That form. Um, so I, I appreciate the kind words, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, behind the scenes, like that ended up eventually getting like, I think that, that, you know, I, I like that show and I think we did good work on it. Mm-hmm. There were near the end, there were not the majority of the episodes, but episodes would end with like, ah, I suppose that's fine. Yeah. We can yeah. end there. <laughs> and that was a bad yeah. feeling. Yes. Um, and that was born of the format. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it is something where like, if we did something like that again, I think I'd want to have a, a limit on it. It would be like a short form. Yeah. Yeah. So we could just, so I we know. could hit it and then, uh, and then, uh, drop back out. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be my, my feeling on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and it, it's, I like that it exists as it is. Like it is evergreen for people to go back and re-listen to or discover a new, mm-hmm. if they like. It is there. It is elemental. Yeah. Uh, Andy K250 asks, uh, is teenager bags effectively on permanent hiatus? It's all right if it is, but I just miss it so much. And, uh, so to answer that question, yes, effectively, uh, you know, who, who knows what the future will hold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just very hard to fit into, uh, our schedules. Yeah. Um, hard for me to take on another show, hard for Brayton, uh, to do a show, a standing show with his current like work schedule and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, was starting a new job recently. Mm -hmm. So everybody, congratulations to Brayton. Yeah. Uh, and he's navigating all of that. So it's possible that will settle out in a way where he has some pod time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, uh, I do not want to speak for him. Yeah. Man, it was nice to see Brayton on Duckstream. I didn't get to watch as much of your guys' leg as I would like to have, just because of the, you know, I had to be ready yeah, for my sleeping. own. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was fun to see the whole gang over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, he's a, he's a delight. I love yeah. that man. Uh, second part of the question. Uh, I know you brought it up in passing recently, but what are the chances you might eventually do a movie podcast with looser constraints than unfilmable? Um, I think what is probably more likely is unfilmable loosens. Yeah. Than doing a separate <laughs> podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or or we end up re- replacing uh, unfilmable, you know? Yeah. With like filmable. Yes. <laughs> the show about movies, you know, but there's just so many of those, like, even though there are so many horror movie podcasts as well, like it feels kind of bad, but also like, if we want to talk about something, that's the arc that most of our shows have gone on. Like, why yeah. are we making rules for ourselves? Right. Right. I mean, it's just, it's me trying to find a way to justify bringing American movie to unfilmable. Right. Yeah. And the Northman's going to come out and then that's not a horror movie, but I know like it would, would make a lot of sense for us to talk about it. Mm hmm. The trick of of getting rid of that is there's so many horror movies I still want to do. Same. There's still some tire. Um, there's still some tread left on those tires, right? Yeah. So I would say the chances are good on a long enough timeline, mm-hmm. uh, but not. Uh, I couldn't tell you when. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moonborn writes: You wake up one day, you look at Twitter. Hashtag No Duck Feed December is number one on trending. Days go by and it doesn't stop. The Patreon is going down the drain. You don't think you can make it to January? What do you do? <laughs> and then P.S. Silly question aside, thanks for another horrible year made easier by great podcasts. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a horrible year. Happy holidays. Uh and y'all are the best. Thank you, Mooborn. I felt the need to include thanks, that just Moon. because that is a horrifying scenario that Mooborn. Yeah, that's not up. a silly question at all. <laughs> no. The, 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 it's a horrible question. <laughs> I, I, I keep a I, I keep a copy of uh John Ronson's So You've Been Publicly Shamed mm. under glass. In case there's an yeah. emergency. <laughs> I wonder what would, what would happen. You know, like I would like the not having a context as to why there's no duck feed December. So that would be the, that uh, would be the first thing. Like a, how did yeah. we, the, how do we rate enough we to, to make this number one? Like, man, we really yeah. had to, would have had to fuck up to be like, to go from <laughs> we, number one. We beat one. the Omicron variant. <laughs> <laughs> more people are talking about not listening to this than, like, what the fuck yeah I, so i mean yeah. obviously to seek to understand right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that'd be number one uh yeah i i don't know i i think that it would depend it depends so much on that context so yeah. like you know we i've talked about this before my backup plan if the patreon ever dies or you like you cold decide you don't want to do this anymore or something mm-hmm. is to uh have enough people who will follow me to go do something similar mm-hmm. and then go live somewhere where it's cheap enough for me to live. Yeah. Yeah. On whatever that is. So like I go and I live in, in the middle of nowhere in Montana Yeah, and then I do like, you know, uh, Gary notes and it's just a podcast about whatever. And then like I get $2,000 a month on Patreon and, yeah. and pay my paltry rent. Uh, that is kind of my backup plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's pretty similar. I have no idea. I don't think anybody knows what happens when the when the hashtag comes for them. Um, yeah, you know, try and make and, it yeah, right. Exactly. But that's not if often if the hashtag is like literally, we're both radioactive. Nobody yeah. wants to touch anything that we want to do. I apply to work at a Target or something. I don't know. I guess like I, I would try not to do that, but you know, I've got I some mean, savings. I, I could probably chill and look for a real job, but none of it's fun. It would just be. You know, this miserable office job I'd end up getting. Then you have to explain it, and that might, like, you, you know, get you to sway. Yep. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's rough. I don't know. I would go to the uh, Robert Forrester in um, Breaking Bad. Oh, yes. Yeah. You put up in the Alaska cabin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with Jesse. Yeah. Um, chilling. Chilling. 
Yeah, quite chilly. Yeah. Uh, fellow Tarnish uh, asked two questions. What are the absolute essential bits of equipment you would recommend to a brand new podcaster? I've been developing an idea for my first podcast for a while now. I'm currently working a temp job for a company that offers decent staff discounts on recording equipment. Any general advice appreciated? Um, equipment, go. Yeah, it's you. E- equipment. Uh, Your goal. <laughs> so I would um, get uh, into XLR microphones as opposed to being um, uh, onto uh, stuck on a particular uh, on a particular uh, USB microphone, like a like your uh, Rode Podcaster or Yeti or whatnot. Um, you just end up uh, like that's nicer, and it's not appreciably more expensive to get like a. Uh, uh, to, to get a focus, right. Uh, what is it? The Scarlet, you know, one I two or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah. like a, like a, you know, like a $99, like Sennheiser stage mic or whatever. Um, you know, the microphone that I'm using that both of us use is very good and also not incredibly expensive. It is the sure beta seven, seven C, I think something like that. No, sure. Beta, uh, eight, seven, a, uh, is what that is and that's just a it's just a condenser uh like it's a handheld condenser that's on a that's on a stand you know you don't have to get like an electro voice uh re20 like 600 monstrosity or even the sure sm7b that's like a you know 350 or whatever this one is like it's like a 200 microphone so you could be like you know at retail 300 all in to get uh you know to get one of these and uh the um the stand or, or the and the uh interface that you need then you just have to get a stand and then you're golden you know if you have money to invest invest it in the microphone other stuff ends up being pretty ancillary um, and can be upgraded at different uh, different paces. Yeah, um, yeah, and if you if you are just starting out and that if you don't want to spend that money, mm-hmm. uh, my recommendation is always you know get something like a decent like even if you end up with a USB like a, a Yeti, those always go on sale. Yeah. It's not a great microphone, um, but if you if that's the money you have, it's better to do it than not do it. Yes, that's the that, that's uh, the thing. Um, it is learn best how to edit and learn how to do all the stuff. Yeah. Somehow there's a particular one that I always forget the model number of. This is what I send to, this is what I have sent interns to all of the, uh, level folks as their previous, like Samson microphones have, uh, messed up, uh, Technica. I forget what it is. I had to send one of these. It is the audio Technica ATR 2100 X. This is a very good um, uh, dynamic uh, cardioid microphone that is simultaneously um, USB and L- and XLR, and it is only sixty three dollars. Uh, that yeah. would be the one that I recommend you get, as opposed to the the, the Yeti or the uh, or like a like a Samson Meteor kind of deal. Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred X. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Cole, do you like Silent Hill Downpour? I thought I did. Question. I, I, I liked it. Uh, I liked it when I first played it. I streamed it again a couple of years ago, and it's it's pretty bad. Like it does some story stuff that's pretty good, but like the actual play ends up being pretty tedious, and the open world elements are just so cursory. It's it, it, it doesn't really have anything to do with the actual game itself. It's just side side missions. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Thomas. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you. There's some kind words as well. We'll skip. We appreciate you. Happy holidays to you. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, uh, this is you. This is me. Jake writes, uh, while it's more so an adaptation of the books, would you all consider covering the Witcher show on adaptation to gay? Maybe multiple episodes for season one coverage. Um, consider, yes. Um, probably not multiple episodes because that show only comes out once a month. Mm-hmm. So doing multiple episodes, like if somebody is not into it or they're trying to avoid it, it's a bummer for them. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing, it's it's one of the reasons why uh, we don't do like novels on that show is the hour of effort to output ratio, mm-hmm. right? So like a season of The Witcher one is ten hours. Yeah, I think it's a ten episode show. Mm-hmm. Um, to get a two hour episode of adaptation decay out of that isn't a great ratio yeah. for us. Not yeah. to like be too business like about it, but we do a lot of shows, so we have mm-hmm. to take stuff like that into account. Yeah. Um. So consider yes, but that's the reason we haven't done it yet. Yeah. That said, I yeah, like season sense. one. Like it's a it's a well done show. You know. Yeah. I'm curious about it. I just uh don't really watch TV unless it's for work. Right. Um in a general <clears throat> sense. Yeah. So um yeah. And the, uh maybe one more show question and then move on to lightning round and then Yeah, let's do. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh we're we're recording multiple things this episode. <laughs> so is, um this is you, I but no, no, uh, this is me. Yes. Uh, Doug, a friend of the network asks, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on how the way you have to chug through games for the network affects your opinions on pacing. I know how to approach things differently since my game time tends to be a half hour here and there, and you're at the other end of the bell curve. Do you think that skews the way you evaluate things? Uh, I try very hard to have it not. Um, people have told, have charged me with that. have told me that it is affecting me. They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is just because you have to play it for the show. But I keep that stuff in mind. Yeah. Um, so like Paradise Killer, I had once I learned more about it and dipped into it and realized what kind of game it was, I gave myself a lot of time to play that game. Yeah. Right? Uh I I specific and like Fallout 4, I was done with before we started recording. Yes. You know, I I I I you know, I don't want to speak for you. I'm sure you're mindful about it too. When I say I don't want to speak for you, mm-hmm. I don't mean that like you're but I'm very mindful of that kind of thing. I do not want to, that to affect my my uh evaluation maybe it does maybe mm-hmm. that gets in anyway oh, yeah. uh i think that is just as likely i don't think that it's oh that you just think this because what it feels like what the worst that people do it and i don't think doug is doing this is as a way to dismiss yeah like i'll be like oh okami has too slow paced an opening and someone will be like you just think that because you'd have to play it for the show no no and i like, thought that no. back in 2006 when i got it yeah yeah like I can just not I can think something has a, a bad pace and it has nothing to do with doing it for the show. Yeah. Like you can't, you know, again, not Doug, but uh and it's not quite a straw man because people have like certainly done this. Mm-hmm. But it's not a way to just say, like, oh, you think this thing I disagree with, it must not be valid because you're just playing it in this way. Yeah. You know, maybe you just disagree with me and that that could be the end of it. You don't have to gerrymander me out of truth. Right, right. You know, you, oh, uh, <laughs> your review on your show is invalid because you reviewed it for a show. It's like, I, yeah, I don't no, know how to satisfy you if, if, if you're holding that yeah, against me, yeah, sir. Like, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing listening to podcasts? Like, what do you, you know, if that if that's your, your standard, like, you're just, if you're that upset that somebody thought something that you thought was well-paced is poorly paced, <laughs> uh, that they have to be, like, essentially, like, lying or fooling themselves. Yeah. That feels like a you problem. Again, it's kind of a straw man because I'm not talking to Doug, but also people legit said it. Yep. Um, so I try really hard not to. And typically, like when you and I, we've definitely had parts where we come where like I beat this right under the wire. Like that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
but we try really i try at the very least really hard not to do that yeah i i mean and even if it does end up happening because sometimes it does you know i try and i you know keep that you know you keep it in mind and you correct for it right and I mm-hmm. think that, you know, if there are pacing concerns, those pacing concerns would have been there. There's also, you know, again, the distinction between, oh, you were playing this for a show or you were just playing it for yourself. Like the difference would be if I was just playing this for myself and I hit the things that I am complaining a lot about in the in a game, I wouldn't have finished it. I would have stopped and moved yeah, on to something quit. else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's you the, know, so that's the biggest yeah. difference. Right. And like I will play things that I have no uh no pressure at all for. So like it was on sale and I was feeling uh like revisiting. So the the remake of um Choco a Mystery Dungeon. Yeah. Showed up on Switch. And I was like, I feel like playing that again. I never, you know, really went deep. There's like the all the optional dungeon and stuff like that. And I like rogues. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll pick up that. A horrible pace in the beginning of that. Yeah. I'm not playing it. We already did it for the show. Mm-hmm. I have no time pressure at all. I'm just bored because it's just so like because you're puttering around the to town talking to quirky people. Yeah, yeah, talking to to the Paul of Tompkins mayor and just all these people and just really hammering home the yes, I know the Bell of Oblivion. Everyone forgets it's so creepy. Like, yeah, get off it. Mm-hmm. You'll pace yourself better, Square. You were yeah. bad at pacing video games. Yep. You forgot how to do it. <laughs> um, you know, and I, there's no pressure at all. I just don't, you know, I don't think that's because I do games for work. I just think that yeah. my patience for ultra slow pacing has just gone down. Yeah. You know, you know? B- based on the games that we pick and the way things tend to work out, I try and like budget out time. Say like, okay, like to you know, assume two hours a day for uh for, for playing games for assignment right a waff game mm-hmm. you know can be anywhere between five hours and 25 hours for like a single single episode right yeah you, you know roughly so that would work out to be around two hours per day there are people who you know if it's a matter of like a question of oh are you chugging this or not and is that affecting it i mean there are people who play way more than that actually you know, there are people who play yes. games, you know, like it as their job. For me, it's that, you know, for, for me, it, I, I play it as my job. But, you know, keeping it budgeted out, two hours per day feels about as normal as, as as one could be if they were very enthusiastic about video games and not doing it yeah. uh, for this. And so that, you know, yeah. that, that, that feels akin, you know, like I'm playing it like most people would. Yeah. Yeah. It is very, uh, again, Doug's not doing this. It is a very frustrating thing to me when someone tries to say, uh, this opinion you have, you only have it because of X disqualifying thing. Yeah. You know? Uh, and some of that is burnout speaking. Like I could use this break, you know, of just, just a, you know, the, the, the break, winter break is going to correspond with me taking a break from the internet, which mm-hmm. is a break from people, you know, strangers on the internet telling me my yeah. opinion is wrong. Yeah, well, uh, which or, I'm looking forward to. It's it's, it's not just uh, that, that your opinion is wrong; it's that you couldn't have possibly arrived at this opinion because of who you are and the way you live your life. You know, kind of the yeah. same thing with people who say, "Oh, you guys are just hating on Dark Souls three and Sekiro because you're somehow it, it somehow benefits you." You know, yes. When we just had a, like a yeah. little like a little research of that, right? And it's like, no, yeah. I I actually can come by this opinion. You know, by being a person who played this game, it's not that it is impossible. You know, it's not the children yeah. that are wrong, Seymour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a very irritating thing that uh, that people do. Yep. Yeah. And if, if you're hearing this and you're like, I kind of do that sometimes, stop. Mm-hmm. I assure you no one likes it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, it's not doing you any favors. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the lightning round. Let's do um adam writes what fictional uh novel worlds would you like to see adapted into video games dark tower 
Uh, there you go. Answer in one. Um, I would like to see the Belgariad. Oh, nice. I mean, that's just because it has your yeah. name in it. Uh, that's exactly why. <laughs> um, the uh, I would would have said the uh, the Crondor books, but then they made Betrayal at Crondor, and it's good. Mm, nice. So, uh, Popo Foshosho asks, uh, you can have a port of any game run perfectly on the Switch, but it must be a GBA enhanced edition. I would love a portable Dishonored that's tw- on 25 e-reader cards and Corvo screams Yahoo! Every time he blinks. <laughs> the Witcher 3. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I would love to have that work run perfectly on the Switch. Um, the, uh, yeah, uh, that's I, anything where you can have those e-reader uh, levels. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like a new dishonor level is every time is a miracle. Yeah. Being able to load up cards to just load up a level mm-hmm. uh, would be awesome. That's a great answer, actually. Yeah. Just keep, just right. going, going down to the going down to the gas station. Buy yourself a, a booster mm-hmm. pack of dishonor levels. Yeah. 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 And you like mostly skins and, mm-hmm. you know, new new kinds of knives and garbage like that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, um, Soda Pop writes, little touches that you appreciate in games. I was playing Halo Infinite's campaign and realized that I could see that I could not see Chief's legs. Uh, prior games had his legs show in first person. Uh, it's just one of those little touches that I like in games. Do you have a do you have a little touch that you enjoy in games? I have it on the brain and I'm only 85% sure this is true, but I think in Deus Ex, uh, flies can set off um, infrared beams. Ooh. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and makes sense. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, the thing about showing people's legs, I don't I don't think of that as a little touch. Like, I think that is a powerful, like, weird way that changes how you feel in the space. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, games I can see my, my legs make me fe- feel like my character is more clunky and present. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to being a Tenzer's floating disc with a gun sitting on it, <laughs> uh, which is how you play most first-person shooters. Yeah. Um, and they, they lend themselves to different things. Like in the Thief games, like being able to see your, your legs was always a big deal. Yeah. Because you're, you're present. You have this this weight. Yeah, Mirror's Edge, uh, another one. Yeah, Mirror's Edge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Cole? I mean, Kojima stuff, uh, like like the, this, is the, this is the thing that everybody, talk, that everybody talks about. Uh, you know, so mm-hmm. that you get the, the, the ice cubes melting in, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, etc. I think all of that is, uh, is, is very nifty, uh, for me just here recently, because I've played a lot of this game because of Duckstream, uh, and also because I fucking adore the game Teardown. I love how, as you do missions and your business starts doing better, uh, your character starts, uh, like every time you wake up your, uh, like warehouse where you live has been fixed up. So you're like, you know, building yourself a little apartment instead of just sleeping on a on a cot uh like in, nice. in, in, in the catwalks you know like your guy builds yourself like a bathroom and so you know you just wake up it doesn't affect the gameplay at all it's just like yeah you you are you know it's a criminal business but you're running it <laughs> yeah. and benefiting that's sweet it's yeah it's it's super cool yeah yeah um the uh tom says uh what is the difference between a sphere and an orb can a lowly sphere rise to become an orb so I mean, all orbs are spheres, but not all orbs are or not all spheres are orbs. I would say I think sphere is a descriptor. It is the platonic ideal, uh, like a basketball. One's a shape. Yes, one is a shape, right? So like a yeah. basketball is a uh, is an orb. Uh, a volleyball, yes. no, a basketball is a sphere. A volleyball is a sphere. The sun, you know, it, it bulges at the center a little because of gravity, but it is mostly a sphere. I think an orb is always a sphere, but an orb has to be. You know, there's something where you know it when you see it, right? 
I, I think if an orb doesn't have some kind of power or ability, I'm not. Yeah. It's not worthy of the term. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I have a like a, a I bought a crystal ball yeah. from an incense store. Mm-hmm. It's not an orb. Right. Magic's not real. I, orbs exist in fiction. Mm-hmm. Orbs are fake. Yes. Like orbs are basically Santa Claus or you know, Vorpal swords and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why they own. You know, and we can pretend that our that that our spheres are orbs, right? I've got a crystal sure. ball that I bought back when we were you know, back in the first wave of orb of orb fever that hit the uh, mm-hmm. that hit the network, right? You know, I always like those tacky uh, those tacky uh, like gazing orbs that are lawn uh, ornament kind of deals. You know, sure. Um, I will pretend that is an orb as I'm driving by, but uh, I know in my not heart that it's not an orb. Yeah, it's fun to pretend. You you know that you have to keep your crystal ball covered, right? Oh, you know because they stuff? can see through it. People, other like no, no, no. It, it could be scry- scried back through. Because if the sun hits it, it'll burn down your house. What? Uh, yeah, because it concentrates <laughs> light. Like people have like died from their houses burning down because of crystal balls. Because <laughs> uh, it refracts the light into a to a pinpoint and has set houses on fire. Huh. So you're supposed to keep your crystal ball covered. Man, um, like I mean, so my, my orb is on a bookshelf in a windowless corner of a very dark room, like my yeah. my my living room. There's no way that the sun could hit it except like very very indirectly. Do I need to cover it? I mean, I if I say no, <laughs> and then your house burns down, <laughs> don't put that on me, man. <laughs> uh, I, I'm an expert. I just read a thing. Cole, Cole would have survived if Gary hadn't told him. Yeah, if only like this is being played in a courtroom, you know, in the future of like due to the bad advice of the cow Gary Butterfield. Yeah. Mr. Ross, his whole house burned down. And I just roll up in one of those like star those Star Trek pods, like talk talking and beeps with a foot lever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Burned head to toe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just uh, uh, most of my skin grafted over with donated fingernails. <laughs> gross. Gross. Uh people people have had their houses burned down from uh crystal balls though. Okay. Frequently. I'll take that under advisement. Yeah, I will call uh, him the Widowmaker. <laughs> I I will uh I, I will uh, examine my orb situation and assess my own risk. Yeah, just be careful. Yeah. <laughs> uh Biff Biff Tannen, uh thank you, Mr. President, uh, for writing in. Uh writes invisibility or teleportation. Uh you can only choose one, which one, and why. Uh mm. teleportation and a walk. Yeah. What is it? Is it a limitless teleportation or nightcrawler style line of sight teleportation? Either would be good. Uh, would be fun. Do the Dragon Ball Z instant transmission where you can always uh, um, uh, warp to uh, a person, you know, by sensing okay. out their energy. Do the uh, the the instant transmission kind of deal. That would be fun. Well, then you have to have the power to sense energies as well. Well, I mean, it, I, I would assume that it would that that it would come with it. Um, yeah, I would take any of this. Invisibility is very limited, uh, to my, to my mind. I might take invisibility. Ooh. Okay. Uh, and it is very limited, but I think that teleportation might make me queasy. And I think I could use invisibility to sneak into the bedrooms of despots and kill them. I mean, like a familiar might. So what we need is a, uh, uh, to team up. If my teleportation is transferable on touch. You know, I yes. can I can uh, uh, get you up to it like a uh, get you behind enemy lines, right? Yep, a balcony, and then I just sneak in and yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, do you know what each other's favorite color is? Is the second question. I do not uh, know what your favorite color is. My guess is going to be uh, blue, yeah, because that's a real classic boy 
favorite color i mean so like the the the, the duck feed indigo that we have is actually my favorite color um weirdly okay. enough i like that the uh the, the dark uh the dark blue purple gray uh kind of thing that we have going on um mm-hmm. but that's real specific so i just I, I put that down to either blue or gray uh if, if somebody asks me i think yours is uh, like orange i think you like, like my favorite warm color is orange yeah there we go yeah. and, and i think there you, you may have i think you may have said that in the past as well yeah i do love orange yeah um uh, <laughs> ralph Yes. Uh, ask if you could pick one game to put on mobile platforms uh, that doesn't exist on them already. What would you put on there? That's tough because it would need to fit. That's real tough. It, it would need to fit on mobile, right? Sure. I mean, or you yeah, like, I don't know. It's like like mo- like mo- if we're using the perennial example here, mobile Dishonored wouldn't be that good. Uh, you know, it'd be fun. Uh, um, uh, a mobile port of Gunpoint. Oh, is there not one? No, no. Yeah, that would be fun. Mobile uh, mobile heat signature would be fun as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say heat signature. Um, yeah. Yeah, those are those are both great answers. Yeah. Um, and then if Switch counts as mobile, mm-hmm. like I would love a Dishonored collection on Switch just to replay it. Oh, of course. And I think it would, you know, Dishonored wouldn't work very well on iOS, but it would work fine on Switch. Yeah. Presumably. Presu- pre- presumptively. Uh, yes. My ass. Uh, I know for a fact that you've answered this before, but what game uh, would you never do for WoW simply because it would take over a great part of your life, becoming a can do a forever game and derailing the schedule forever? Uh, there are things that would take up a long time mm-hmm. um, for this uh, to do. Yeah. There aren't a lot of things that I, I'm not very tempted by forever games right now. Right. Uh, outside of my Isaac and my monster train, like the roguelikes I play now. Mm-hmm. And I would be, we, we did a kind of a roguelike heavy year, um, but I would be fine in the future doing other things like that on WAF as long as we're comfortable with them being book report or like half book report. No. You know? Um, so nothing, there are things that are too long, uh, but they wouldn't become like forever games. So like it wouldn't make any sense for us to do Final Fantasy 14 mm-hmm. um, because it apparently doesn't get good for 60 hours. And then it's, it's too much content. Yes. Um, but I'm not tempted by Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't think that would become a forever game for me because mm-hmm. it doesn't look that interesting to me. Yeah. Um, um, City Skylines or RimWorld, I think, would be uh, would be two dangerous ones. Or print Prison Architect uh, would be yeah. uh, would be those for me. Yeah. Yeah. But we could do Prison Architect. I would play it for 20 hours and you'd tell me the yeah. stuff I'm missing. You know? Ah, man. Beat, beat um, stole my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think that would that would hurt us too much. No. So the the ones that we've when we've answered before, it wasn't so much about things that would become tempting forever games. They would just yeah. be too long. Yeah, that's the thing. And yeah. just, you know, I can always you know, it's 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 easy enough to stop, right? Yes. It's satisfactory yeah. as well. But you know, we did we did we did Stardew, and that was not yeah. uh, you know for me a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, and so. I, I think that, that was a fun episode. Yeah. Like, it's so easy for me to stop a video game now. I know, right? Uh, I don't, yeah. It's like, there's stuff that I'm, I'm really, like, again, I still play Isaac. I still play Monster Train right now. Um, but if something happened and came along, you know, I'd be okay. Well, moving and, on. Yeah, but like Monster Train moved from a boil when we were working on the episode to a simmer, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, pl- I play, like, I, I do the Let's Play uh, series of it. I've been throwing up, uh, for people who are patrons, mm-hmm. I've been throwing up Monster Train Mondays. Um, every once, you know, once a week, <laughs> Monster Train Mondays every once in a while, <laughs> uh, who knows what day that falls on. And then, uh, I'll play, play it in bed, you know, three nights a week or something like that. Yeah. If I'm in the mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
Um, this is this is little, this lightning round is taking a long time. Uh, this is this is a sl- <laughs> real slow lag. This round. <laughs> uh, Gabriel writes, Gary, do you like any other Garys? Uh, Gary Newman, Gary Oldman, etc. Cole, do you like any other Coles? I can't think of any other Coles, so you can have a favorite Ross, but I also don't think there's another Ross besides the store. <laughs> is that Ross from the Friends show? Yeah, but he's like the bad character. He's not a good character on Friends. Is that he's the bad character? Well, there are many bad characters. Yeah, but this one is mine. (laughs) Uh, I love Gary Newman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Gary Newman owns uh, the the first uh, two way army album. Mm -hmm. That is basically wall to wall bangers. Yeah. So probably my favorite uh, other Gary. Yeah, uh, Gary Newman is a that that is an enviable alternate Gary. Yeah. Um, and well, it, it, I have Gary Glitter to make up for it. <laughs> it's like it, it is two sides. <laughs> the same horrible coin. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, and I, I don't, oh. I don't know any Coles or Rosses that I, uh, uh, that, that I particularly care for. No. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, uh, what video game level would you like to skate around in? A la Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, I'm just going to default to my earlier thing, either where I live now or my tom- hometown. Mm-hmm. There is a Portland and Tony Hawk one, but it's not really. Right. Portland. Yeah. Um Assassin's Creed 2. I want there to do I want to do oh, what video game level. <laughs> I didn't read that part, sorry. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> uh, Jindosh's Mansion. Oh yeah. Ooh, that yeah. that would be good. Yeah. No, yeah. Assassin's Creed 2 just to do a forever grind around the top of the uh the Parthenon or the Pantheon rather. That big open sure. dome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Douglas says, are there any games that you don't like simply because they're too popular? Conversely, are there any games that uh, uh, you over-defend because the, the discourse says that they're bad? Essentially, do you have any contrarian streaks running through you? No, I don't have any contrarian streaks. How dare you? <laughs> the the uh, Of course we do. Yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't dislike something just because it's popular, but I will side-eye something if people sell it on me, sell it to me. Yes. Too much. Um, it's the, the net, you know, mid 2010s Netflix effect yeah. of everyone telling me stranger things was incredible where it's like a solid B, mm-hmm. uh, and me feeling that like a, most things that people sell to me, like they get some joy out of it and get very excited because it's hard to feel anything. Yeah. And then they, uh, oversell it as if it's you know an A plus just because yeah. they had an emotion around it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. I think that happens a lot. That's the closest. If something is especially, uh, you know, people are talking about it rapidly, I will oftentimes build in a delay to like get into it after uh, it yes. falls after it falls in the discourse. You know, um, yes. just because it, it it's fatiguing more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll engage with with uh, stuff that's uh, with the discourse. You yeah, know, like we'll, we'll there's a long running conversation about a piece. Like it'll that kind of thing will come into the show. Yeah, you know. Uh, so like I, I got irritated about the discourse around God of War 2018, like a game I don't like, I'm not in love with or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. the critical response around that from indie critic circles was irritating to me. Yes. So that was part of, uh, you know, my feelings on it. Uh, final one here. Uh, Douglas says, I listened to Guppy and I don't play Isaac or I played it for an hour once and didn't like it. Is there something wrong with me? Uh, yes to the first half, no to the second half. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no, it's, it's barely about that. It's just enough to make people upset. Of course. Um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
let us uh, we, let's talk about Duckstream a little bit. We can make this a little breezy. Yeah. Uh, because we have miles to go before we sleep and mm-hmm. we want that break. Yeah. Um, um, so we you realize we never really talked about this holistically. Yeah. Uh, you, on the show. You proposed this and I said, that sounds nice. Did you want to talk about Duckstream in general, like as an event that we do? Or did you want to talk about uh, this one specifically? Well, I meant to kind of in general. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, origins of like we've done this another eighth year. Mm-hmm. We've done it origins, like how it's changed, what we've had, what we have to do to prep, what like uh, prep and recovery is like, yeah, um, what kind of things to keep in mind, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, origins. I know that we, we had just kind of uh, early on. I think you initiated the conversation about wanting to do uh, something to raise money. You know, use the platform for good, right? And mm-hmm. uh, we went back and forth and, uh, uh, you know, obviously because uh, Transactive is based in Portland, you knew about them, uh, but also yes. it, uh, it was, it, it was, it was a good fit. Like what, what made you uh, bring them, bring them forward as a, uh, as a candidate to help? I know why it works, but how did you find out about them? Uh, so I, I wanted to do that one because it was in Gamergate times. Yep. Uh, and it was, uh, gamers are being gross. Mm-hmm. And I did, wasn't trying to defend the honors of gamer. I just wanted to try to like balance scales a little bit. And then I knew about Transactive because I dated uh, my ex-girlfriend, Sarah, uh, was on the board of directors uh, there. Mm-hmm. So that is how I found out um, about the, uh, the the cause. Yeah. And I went to, uh, before we started doing anything for them, they would do silent auction events. Yep. Uh, and that is how I met uh, Jen who is the director and it kind of all just went from there. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a good match because we know them and we know what the money does and we know, uh, you know, I trust where it's going. Yes. You know? Uh, and that's, that's a really big, big mm-hmm. part. And it's just like super easy now. Cause we can just be like, Hey, we're going to give you some money. And, and she's like, great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. Later, bro. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Take care. Done. That, that, uh, and that's, then, <laughs> <laughs> That's the benefit of the of the of the long term relationship, right? Yes, you know, yeah, it's very um, casual. Yeah, I think the first year we did was it 2013 or 2014? Um, God, uh, time time is meaningless mm-hmm. as always. No. Um, but yeah, the, uh, so I, I I love doing it for Transactive A because you know it is uh, uh, you know an underserved area. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, just a you know just a cause. Also, I think it's like a really good match for like the size of uh of, yes. of our audience you know like they're, they're they're regional right uh we could uh do a streaming event to raise money for a large you know do i do like saint jude's or something like that and it's not yes. that it's not that money raised for them is to no is to no good effect obviously you know agdq does amazing work with them and that's a good organization and stuff but like you know small to moderate sized uh, audience and platform that we have we can take that and make you know and make a relatively a much larger difference for a smaller kind of more specific organization right so that feels i think just like it is, you know, makes it an especially good match right yeah yeah we're, we're a major line item on their budget yes you know uh and that that feels good mm-hmm. um you know just because we uh you know just because we we want to make a difference the whole idea is to try to make a practical difference in the world mm-hmm. you yeah. know not a symbolic difference not like a, a back padding thing but like mm-hmm. how can this actually have impact yeah this will make um, a dent yeah yes uh and and uh you know that regionalism like seeing that stuff happen because it is a smaller group is awesome yeah i did my like i had a senior 
uh, project. Like everyone has a senior capstone mm-hmm. uh, at a PSU, and I did mine uh, working with with Transactive and spent some you know some time there at the at the you know the the brick and mortar place where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, see you know meeting the staff and and seeing some of the people uh, who was helping, and it was super cool. Yeah, you know, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to know that I'm having an impact. I have a bad brain that doesn't uh, give me backpat feels mm-hmm. from that kind of thing, uh, but I do get a modicum of it just from seeing like actual practical. Yes, you know, uh, being able to non-abstract it, it, it kind of separates it from feeling like, you know, uh, it makes it feel like a good thing to do rather than it would be a bad thing if I didn't. Right. <laughs> You know, and that's a that's a subtle distinction, but it's incredibly important in my horrible, horrible brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I so, get it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So the first year we did it, I, again, I forget what year it was. I can I can probably do a do a search and see. It's but, it's fine. Yeah, we did move a on. <laughs> go <laughs> move on. Get over it. Yeah, no need. <laughs> no, no need to pin this down. It's okay. Yeah. Just go. <laughs> Uh, but uh but uh the the first year that we did it uh we only did 24 hours uh we did 12 and 12 uh and that yes. was that was a lot of fun uh and i think that was we saw that as like a uh a proof of concept more than anything is mm-hmm. ultimately what that ended up being before we broke it out to 48 yes uh, and then up until for forever, we did it as two forty two twenty fours, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which people have seen, of course, and uh, that nearly killed me. Like we we talked, <laughs> it I, was so talked about rough. That. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, it was incredibly rough. Uh, the the last time we did that, um, the one in person before mm-hmm. the pandemic, um, going home, like I vomited multiple times away home and couldn't mm-hmm. sleep. And it was just like, my legs were cramping from dehydration uh-huh. uh, and not stretching them and just like weeping, trying to sleep, <laughs> you know, uh, just felt like I was going to die. Yeah. Um, uh, because so- there, there was an element, I think, uh, of us doing that where uh, something that is in, that has been a through line throughout the network is you and I not knowing uh, how to sell things. Yes. So the masochism was part of it. It was the, like the hey, masochism us, was part of what we were selling. Watch us unravel. Um, yes. uh, you know, when we hit the 13th hour on this bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. And and what that meant was like every single time we did it, I would like, I wouldn't, I couldn't snap, but there'd be a part where I'd just be on camera laying down on a carpet, mm-hmm. you know, just staring, Yeah, you know, yeah. just, just, uh, absolutely miserable stuff. And I, there was some real joy that came out of that loopiness. Uh-huh. Um, I think that one of the things that we, you and I have gotten better about is trying to figure out uh, balance. Yeah, <laughs> within work, it's it's, it's not work life balance. It's how to work not work fucking balance. ruin ourselves. Yeah, yeah, like like realizing that like oh we don't have to debase ourselves. It's like uh, when Charlie went to the high school reunion. They're like, here, eat this dirt grub, <laughs> and they're like, Charlie, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to sniff. You don't have to sniff what he what he gives you. Yeah, uh, we're, we're we're figuring that out. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, just you know. so one of the kind of the big differences here is uh, uh, ge- geography, right? I, for a long time, lived in Cincinnati. I still live in Ohio. Um, you, you know, have been in Portland this entire time. And with the exception of the pandemic year, everybody got together on the Portland side of things and had like the, uh, you know, almost like the slumber party kind of vibe yes. where, you know, like, you know, one person, you like the, the, there wasn't just one person there responsible for everything. So, you know, if somebody needed to step out to eat a sandwich or, you know, to go grab like, you know, a half hour nap or whatever, you, you kind of had that. 
over on my side, like occasionally, like some people would come over when I lived closer to like Dennis or Ben or stuff like that. Uh, but it was 24 hours of me with the exception of, you know, when I got people, you know, very gracious people like Allison or like Gwen or like Jeremy or, you know, Dennis uh, to do relief shifts uh, because, yeah. you know, being on and talking for that entire time by your lonesome for a lot of the 24 hours was the fucking pits dude it's like, it's like the film moon yeah you know <laughs> yeah so that was the particular it, difficulty over on my side it, it was it was hard uh-huh. you know it was, it was it was a difficult physically uh and mentally and like honestly emotionally difficult yeah thing to do um even even now, uh, every every single time uh, we do it, like at some point, I will end up feeling kind of sad. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not during it, but kind of like in the lead up and then afterwards, like a postpartum mixed with just being drained. Yes. You know, like most most duck streams, I will I will cry at some point <laughs> around them just from like exhaustion and being drained. Yeah. Even if it is a really really good thing. Hmm. You know, even if we're not by ourselves, just being like not not battling our Pokemons, there's also uh, 24 hours of banter is also really hard. It's it's really hard to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> it's very hard to keep up. And it's uh, it's very hard not to uh, let ner- like exhaustion mm-hmm. uh, add an edge to things. Yes. Like, I feel like most duck streams at some point, I either worry that I've hurt someone's feelings or get my feelings hurt. Yeah. Uh, during it, just because it's like, oh, we can't have dead air, so we have to constantly be saying things. Mm-hmm. Was this the right thing to say? Too late now. Yeah. You know, that kind of energy. Yeah. So, I mean, especially uh, when you when you live alone and you're not interacting with people, it's a long time to be on and a long time to be sociable, even with your favorite people in the world. Right. Yes. It's that, not, that's exactly it. Like, it's not normal yeah. conditions for interacting with folks. No. Yeah. And and really abnormal for for I would say the two of us who are in, have introverted tendencies, right? Yes. Like well, most <laughs> or of the, are the avatars the, of introversion. <laughs> yeah, the, the most of the all of the talking I like I hang out with my girlfriend mm-hmm. once a week. I do band practice and I do game night and I talk for work and I'm fucking tapped. Yep. Like I will have a friend who will be like, "Hey, do you want to hang out?" and it'll be like, "No big deal." And I'm like, "Ah." That ah, ah. <laughs> sounds like, you know, I this I am at capacity. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, uh, and the, uh, so it's just a constant dose of that is extremely tough. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this, we're very lucky to be able to do this. I know I said I didn't want back padding and now we're, we're no, just kind of whining about we're just, we're, talk, we're talking about the, the difficulties and I think it, yeah. it, it's, it's worth being honest about this because it's a, you know, it, it's a part of the experience. Understand that we're talking yeah. in, in relative terms. It is momentary discomfort, you know, yes. that we, also has a, has a lead up and a lead up and cool down of discomfort around it. Yeah, we're not we're not being requiem for a dreamed, right? You know, uh, but it is, uh, you know, and also maybe people are interested in this because they don't maybe they don't know it. Yeah, you know, maybe it's it's behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so afterwards, like after it's done, this last time and every time, uh, I just go to sleep. I don't set an alarm. Mm-hmm. I go to sleep and sleep as long as my body wants me to. Yep, and then I do that for as, as many days as I can. Yes, uh, to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and it is, it's more than just like, since we did the 12s, it's not actually that bad in terms of like physical stress. Yeah. It is much more, uh, just kind of emotional and mental stress. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and I'm still sleepy from it. 
Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. We wrapped, I wrapped up on Sunday morning and mm-hmm. I'm still like feeling it a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I didn't have a voice yesterday. Um, again, just from, uh, from, from talking all of that time. And, uh, mm-hmm. like yesterday I slept until 2 PM. Like I, I, I slept like just that, that, that is how late I yep. slept even with just, uh, you know, the two twelves. Right. Uh, and it felt yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. The moment afterwards feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just because it, it's good to like raise a bunch of money, but it just feels very good to like have it done with. Yeah. There's a lot of prep, uh, for it that happens. Um, we will scrunch up our schedules. Um, mm-hmm. we do that for the holidays as well, but scrunch up our schedules and get ahead. So yes. we've been recording a lot. We have. Uh, in the lead up. Um, and the, uh, there is like for the overnight crew, there's prep, at least for me in terms of trying to adjust my sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to die. Yeah. You know, and I, I, uh, I used to stay up real late naturally and now I kind of don't, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a real like 12 to nine kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Naturally. Um, so now, you know, trying to fix that and stuff. So there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of flexing. Yes. That happens for it. And mm-hmm. then that feeling of that muscle just being relaxed afterwards <laughs> is huge. Yeah. I, on the day, uh, on Monday afterwards or, or Sunday, rather, um, I, uh, the only thing I did that was productive is I changed the needle out on, uh, my hi-fi. Okay. Um, I bought a hi-fi from a guy who, uh, his wife was making him quote unquote clean out his man cave. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to have this old gnarly needle, like tear up my records. Right. So I got a new one, changed out the needle and then just like sat in my rocking chair mm-hmm. and like played switch and listened to records. Yeah. All night. And I cannot remember a time I've been happier. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that there are times I've been <laughs> happier than that, but just, I was so fucking happy. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm playing a video game. I'm not talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not keeping a commentary as to what's happening. I'm just kind of enjoying it yeah. just for Gary. This <laughs> owns so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah. There's, there's, Ooh, there's, lo- there's logistical prep as well. I mean, aside from the, you know, the physical mental prep that, uh, you know, and schedule uh, prep, but like, you know, uh, if you're planning, like, what am I going to eat? during this time yes right so like going and getting snacks that are going to be there planning meals you know because it's not going to be delivery the entire time right yeah so uh, you know uh, and and technical stuff i i cannot uh, express enough gratitude to nick mm-hmm. for kind of taking the lead on that every year yeah uh, because if it were just up to me like it would be all of me and my friends all gathered around my computer webcam and that'd be the extent of it right uh, yeah. that's all I would know how to do. Uh, Nick really outdid himself this year, mm-hmm. um, by having, uh, an elaborate setup where we could do a uh, duck throat kitchen. We each had our own mic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is, uh, it was very, very, uh, tons of work that to great effect. Yes. You know, and not just like building, you know, set, building the setup, you know, like mm-hmm. miking things and you know, like over on my side, it's simpler because I'm, I'm not miking a whole couch, which is a fucking nightmare at the best of times, uh, especially if you're just like, you know, even if you're building like a dedicated, you know, set or something, but it, adapting an actual living space to be uh, to, to, to look and sound good is ridiculous, too. Mm-hmm. You know, over on over on my side, like getting things to work and lit there as well. Pretty difficult. Had to do call a major audible. 
uh, because my yeah. plan was to stream until dawn. That's a you know a fun light game uh, to do, mm-hmm. uh, and would have been uh, would have been a lot of fun. Uh, but my capture card for some reason just decided not to work, so I had to like pulling my hair out, going nuts, like being like, oh my gosh, I'm late. I just I'm not on the air. This is a fucking disaster. Then ultimately calling an audible and saying, all right, I'm going to play Amnesia. That's a game people love. I'm going to do that. And when I'm done, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And it was <laughs> the other thing too is that like there similar to the 24 hours thing, there is a false um urgency that we put on ourselves. Yeah. For this kind of thing. Like where something like that doesn't work and it's really easy to take that kind of thing very hard. Yes. And the truth of the matter is, is that we have an audience that is just like down for us to do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is supportive. Yes. Right. So like nobody was going to be upset mm-hmm. that you didn't do until dawn when we have had like technical stuff on our end or something didn't work out. Nobody gets upset. Yeah. You know, uh, people are along for the ride. Yeah. In a general sense. And that's, that's, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Mm hmm. Um, and that's generally, you can expand that lesson, I think, to crowd living in general. Yeah. You know, like subsisting on, on crowd things where it's like, you know, if you, if you make something that people like, they will support you for the thing you like. And a lot of these kind of bells and whistles are less important Yeah, than people tend to think, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so that's something that like is a lesson that, and, and I, I think I've gotten better about that in, in real like day-to-day podcasting life, but still, it still follows me to Duckstream is yes. that feeling of like, I must self-flagellate because something didn't work. Mm-hmm. People are going to be pissed. I'm going to be in trouble. And yeah. then realize like, no, like actually everyone's chill. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, and, and by, <laughs> by reacting the way that I am by being, you know, flustered or whatever, I am just adding uh, unnecessary misery into the equation and I get yeah. on the air. You're stressing and, people out. Yeah. Yeah. Like for, you know, not just yourself, but, you know, people watching. Yep. And I, I'm not calling you out. I do it too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, what, what else about Duckstream? It's cool. It's fun. I really like doing it. Mm-hmm. I look forward to it for, you know, for as much as it is an exertion. Um, I mm-hmm. do, I do still look forward to it. And, you know, there's, there, there's always the moment, you know, because like, you know, we're relying on people's generosity to make, you know, to make the, uh, to, to make the event a, uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of like an objective success, you know, are we meeting mm-hmm. our goals and things like that? And we have been super lucky that the audience has been as generous as they are to where we've never like had to walk away from it with our tail between our legs. Yeah. Everybody comes through, uh, which is, which is amazing. And also like the, the, the actual like chat atmosphere is really good. I can kind of count yeah. on, you know, you <laughs> know, uh, I don't even max out two hands uh, 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 counting the instances of people being jerks where we had to, like, do something about it, you know? Yeah. It's very rare. Yes. Like, it's only happened a couple of times, which we're like, part of that is just because we're not huge, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of a, a community. And then part of it is also because we're incredibly lucky. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, like, and and getting bigger and having that problem would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where we like deputize some, but like maybe we call on Jeremy or Allison or, or our, our friends and people who want to help out to like mm-hmm. mob the chat. Yeah. You know, that might end up being a thing in the future. Mm-hmm. But also if we stay at this cruising altitude, I'm happy as well. Yeah. Like there's, it yeah. does, you know, we don't need to, you know, 
it, it yeah it doesn't need to be bigger yeah. i am i am happy yeah the the, the benefit because of getting raise more money for the yes, cause but exactly yeah, yeah. I, I don't Purely feel for personal reasons yes i do not feel any kind of like inferiority for the level that we're at um no. but like the actual environment in the chat is always really good something that is funny every year uh, especially if i go after you so like if i was the second shift when we were doing 224s um or mm-hmm. this time is there there's stuff that goes on on your side that becomes like mm-hmm. its own uh 24 hour meme that then bleeds mm-hmm. over into my chat and i have to yeah. like i have to do like oh you know whip out my oprah din stopwatch or pocket clock or mm-hmm. whatever and like try and put it together <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, what the, the fuck are these people talking about <laughs> there's, it, it is uh it's an incubator for that kind of shit it's yeah. it's one of the coolest things it does is make these little inside bits. It's like, it's like Burning Man. It's short lived. Like, <laughs> it's Burning Man. It's a, it's a society that lasts for a weekend and then is, yeah. you know, raised and then pull, you know, pulled down. Nothing left but desert. <laughs> it's a, yeah, absolutely. Also, if you don't watch, if people uh, just do VOD or whatever, uh, we did it for the first time this year and it was a big hit. So we're going to do it in the future. But we did, uh, people could donate to have us do karaoke songs. Ooh. Uh, which won't go out on VOD for obvious reasons, but it was, there's a lot that came out of that. Um, I, I watched Will sing, I, I feel, I think four, like literally four, but it felt like 10 <laughs> songs from Hamilton. Uh, and it just, uh, if you don't know that musical, uh, it's a rap musical about the founding fathers <laughs> and it's all will ang- it sounds like him angrily quitting a job but his job is to write essays for the continental congress <laughs> every song is just him just being real super mad about essays and shit it's uh-huh. it's really really bad it was excruciating uh but it was for charity yeah uh you know and it won't it is a once in a life like there's an ephemeralness Mm -hmm. to the whole event but there's a specific ephemeralness uh to some of the aspects of it that i think are really kind of beautiful oh yeah yeah and good you know and i I, and all all good things have endings you Mm -hmm. know uh, all good things don't last, <laughs> but, but it um, just uh, existing, stepping in, you know, c- c- kind of, uh, sitting down after you guys get up and feeling that the seat's warm, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, and everybody yep. just like, I'd like, Hey guys, I didn't watch that. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's interesting to other like different crews yep. in the chat. Uh-huh. Like I will pop on and, and, and say hi during your stream and it's a, a totally different group of people, mm-hmm. um, either for preference or because of ours, Yeah, you know, but you, you'll end up with these kind of like tiny societies as well, <laughs> a little kind of function, you know, like two separate little towns mm-hmm. or communities, like two separate little burning mans. Yeah. Will appear. Some, something that I miss, um, is, uh, so back when I lived in an apartment and specifically before I had cats, uh, we would set up, I, I would do a thing where like every 500 or every certain number of, uh, of dollars, I would fire off a confetti cannon inside my house, you know, yeah. you, you do one of those little poppers. Yes. Right? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like confetti no, so, cannon is, is a I pretty mean, big it, overstatement for what that thing is. It, well, no, no, no. I like, I, I would, I would eventually, I would work up. So like I, I would do small poppers. Right. But then I would get okay. like 12 or 14 inch ones and start firing those off as well. You know? Okay. So like, if not confetti, if not confetti cannon, confetti hand cannon. Uh, yeah. Confetti handgun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll give you a, a confetti nine millimeter. Right. Right. But like, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm a, I'm a pretty neat guy. Okay. And so like mm-hmm. firing that off and, you know, just over the course of the weekend, having my, 
having my apartment turn into a uh, the, the the set from a from a fucking uh, OK Go video. Uh, yeah, or from the, the, the film Go. Yeah, <laughs> like a, a sad rave. Yep. Uh, just over the course of it, it was always fun. Like you know, getting up and seeing the the, the empty portion on the couch where no confetti hit because that's where I was, or firing yeah. without realizing that I didn't that I uh, firing uh, without covering my food. Uh, you know. Oh sure. Yeah. You know all of that, yeah. or uh, like moving my <laughs> moving my furniture and vacuuming and finding confetti from uh, you know two years previous that I didn't get. That was all yeah. good, and you can't really do that when you have cats because I don't want them to like get into it and eat it. Yeah, or just be scared every. Yes. Thing. Yeah. You don't want to create the Fourth of July an artificial Fourth of July at them. No, no. You so I, I replaced I replaced the confetti with the cat cams and uh, given them treats. Yeah. The positive version yeah um yeah so it was real fun thanks everybody for donating this year yeah um especially our uh anonymous mega donor yes um, um but and the uh we really appreciate it and we're really grateful to people listening to this who presumably have a lot big overlap with the people who allow us to do that mm-hmm. yeah yeah i uh, would like to echo the gratitude it is a it is a wonderful a wonderful thing to be a part of i would like to echo the dolphin mm. <laughs> uh let's uh let's read some responses let's do i'll get us started uh, these are all about fallout 4 or the expansions uh sam writes i thought it was le- i thought it was safe to leave the power armor i got at the beginning of the game on the armor dock in sanctuary hills 10 hours later that power armor now belongs to trash can carla apparently i might put another 100 hours into this game but i don't think i'll experience anything more bethesda than that I I left all I had a big tons of power armors just hanging around that that zone and nobody ever took it. I read that this could happen, but nobody ever did it for me. Most most of the people would get out of it. Um, and if they're a companion, it's kind of frustrating because you have to ask them to follow you and then talk to them and ask them to get out of the power armor. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's just a set a settler, though, they should get out of it after the combat ends. But that is a new development. I think that maybe if Sam played it a while ago, that hadn't been patched in. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and who knows what they were doing while I was gone? <laughs> like, I imagine they were joyriding in it, but yeah, it's the 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 the, the, um, the car in Ferris Bueller, you know. Exactly. Uh, Kevin says via contact. I'm not sure how many other people who play games along with you ran into this, but I found a wonderful bug that at first glance caused my brain to start screaming that my computer was dying. If you load the game on a graphics card running at 120 FPS rather than the capped 60 FPS the game is designed for, all the models in the game will run at twice the speed with the vocals still running on normal time. (laughs) This is probably my personal best experience with unintentional horror in games so far. (laughs) Just reminds me of the the, the videos people put out of uh, Resident Resident Evil Two cutscenes, but uh, like maxing out like the weird like animation vertexes over the course of a cutscene, so they turn into these big flappy faced monsters with a uh, huge mouse that move. Yeah, yay, yay, yeah. Um, Jake writes via contact saying Far Harbor was a DLC that I kind of skimmed through uh, at at uh, the time of released. Uh, thank you for spotlighting it and giving me another reason to check it out. This time, I really enjoyed the character of Dima, even if he is Charles Xavier 2.0, a well-intentioned peacemaker uh, who has done some heinous things uh, to maintain that peace. The 2.0 comes in with the fact that he has not only mind wiped others, but he mind wipes himself too. 
I'm writing this in before the episode airs, so there's like a 90% chance that Gary already made this joke in the episode. I don't recall you explicitly making the joke, but you could have made a reference to it, Gary. I might have said something with Charles Xavier, but I don't think I said 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good call. He is very uh, Professor X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Reciprocity says via contact. Hey guys, I just started. Hey guys, I just started the first Fallout 4 episode. And as someone who moved to Massachusetts over a decade ago, I think I can clear up some of your linguistic confusion. Folks here in Mass, especially in the eastern half of the state, have a lot of idiosyncratic pronunciations. Quincy is Quincy, Woburn is Woburn, uh, Peabody is Peabody. Uh, to the visitor or recent immigrant, these linguistic quirks may seem arbitrary, but once you spend some time here, the underlying logic of it all becomes clear. People from Massachusetts are fucking weird. I, I, you know, that does it, sound like the underlying logic. Th- that does, um, you know, and I'm throwing, you know, throwing stones from a glass house when I make fun of Quincy because here in Ohio we have a town called Lima. It's spelled L-I-M-A, but we say it like Lima, like Lima beans. We have a town called. Sure. Uh, it's spelled Bellefontaine, but it's it's uh, pronounced Bellefountain. Uh, oh, that's horrible. Yeah, we have a town that is R U S S I A. How would you uh, How would you pronounce that, Gary? R U S S I A. Hmm. Might say Russia. No, you clod. It's Russia. Russia. Rushi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all that stuff. All that yeah. stuff sucks. Palace at Versailles. <laughs> Palace at Versailles, Gary. No, no. In in Ohio, that town is called Versailles. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's disgusting. How did, how did you people make it to this century? Um, <laughs> what are you guys doing? No, it's not Wooster, Gary. It's it's Worcester. All right. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I I would like things if everything was pronounced just how it looks. Yeah, I agree. I, I would change change all of it. Mm-hmm. Illinois, Illinois. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> uh, just yeah. Uh, uh, stop pronouncing things. Pronunciation's <laughs> evil. Just sound it out. Pronunciation is counter-revolutionary. Uh, yeah, it's not praxis. Uh, Levi writes via contact saying, I played Fallout 4 as the female protagonist. I remember telling my wife as I entered the Institute that if I was right and my son was in charge, I was going to kill him. Uh, I said, I said, I brought him into the world and if he had become a monster, I had the right to take him out of it. I killed quote father as soon as i had the chance and unless i missed something after easily 30 minutes of looking for a way out i was soft locked inside the suite of rooms with fake sean and had to load an earlier save uh i had played the whole game shaking my fist at the screen every time my character said something stupid about trying to find her baby this annoyance started immediately in the conversation with codsworth and by the time i got to the institute i was ready to kill sean as a stand-in for all the bad writing i had endured you could call that a soft lock but you could call it just a new life you get to start (laughs) you know in that in little a, zone with that in, kid. In a cell with your robot son yeah. who has been deactivated. Yeah. yeah. This deactivated robot son. Yeah. Deactivated robot roommate. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Uh, Matthew says via contact. As a native to the Boston area, you can imagine the joy I felt when I found out that Fallout 4 was to be set in my neighborhood. There's something magical about wandering through an interpretation of a place you're familiar with. 
Much of my most anticipated landmarks were roughly around where I expected them to be, with some geographical compression. One that surprised me was the Saugus uh, Ironworks, which is a quaint 18th century village-like historical site in real life, but a greatly exaggerated iron factory in the game. We would be here all day if I went through every place that surprised me like this, so I'll just leave you with this one example. Quincy is pronounced Quincy. Uh, Nahant is pronounced Nahant. <laughs> the, the same picture to me. Nahant or non? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we don't talk about Rivia. Rivia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, you mispronounced it. It's not Saugus. It's it's uh, Sogu. I've got oh, no okay. fucking idea. I... It's Sogus. <laughs> Sogus. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm, I'm, I'm envious of people who get to walk around in versions of the place where they live because they, you know, they live in a place yeah. that that rates being made into a video game location. It's one of the reasons I want I, I like over break. I'll probably download and fire up uh, Fallout 76 because I'm not like from West Virginia, but I've spent a good amount of time there and I've lived in the mm-hmm. region. I want to see the Appalachian region uh, done in that engine because I would like recognize yeah. it, you know? Yeah, that shit's fun. Yep. Uh, let's see. Stuart writes via contact saying, this is my depression game. I probably played through it five or six times. The last time I tried to do a new build all about vats and criticals. I took perks and agility and luck used special guns that refilled AP on crits. Even with all of that, I found it was just better to be a sneaky rifleman. Oh, well. Also, it was cool to see Fahrenheit hanging out with Hancock because she had the name and general look of my canon character from Fallout 3. Yeah, one, I mean, we talked about this a lot in the episodes, but Fallout 4 really does kind of funnel you down a build highway. Yeah. You know, I, there's not really different builds Yes, uh, in it. There only kind of are. Two responses from here. We've we've got somebody countering that with their own kind of example, but I I generally generally agree uh, with with our initial um our initial read on the perk oh. system. I've only played it, you know, three times. Right. So I've only put in a few hundred hours. Into it, I, <laughs> I mean, so you, uh, I mean, you kind of don't have any like position yeah. to say. You know, yeah. kind of weird that you're just presuming that you you know you can offer a good huh you know like it's some kind of criticism. It's weird. Uh, Eli says via contact, the last voyage of the USS Constitution is emblematic of how terrible Bethesda is at writing stories in the most outlandish and ludicrous way possible. It does not even to be said, does not even need to be said that in the conflict between some humans just trying to get by versus a ship full of insane old timey robots that the moral choice is to help the humans. But crazy robots on an old timey ship, right? How can you not see their quest through to the end? And the humans are literally just called scavengers. Easily, uh, easiest morally heinous choice I've made in a video game. Uh, <laughs> P.S. Did either of you have Deacon along for this ch- this quest? He basically acts as a player stand-in, just happy to see what dumb thing will happen next, and get a huge reputation gain by just watching the big boat take to the sky. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, they're evil scavengers. Yeah, <laughs> you find out they're jerks. Yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it it is. I mean. You're right. It's also, again, though, I think the game works best at his most fun if you play it as Johnny. Why not? Yes. With that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I care more about humans, uh, but they're also right across the street from Good Neighbor. Just go live. Yeah, just go live in Good in Neighbor. Place. There's a society there. Yeah. Yeah, there's society around, like, dipshits. Mm-hmm. I hate yeah. those, those scavengers so much. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking scabs. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, but just that, all dead. it would be interesting to see the, like the, the, the same basic premise written to make the, the scavengers, the obvious choice, you know, but, yeah. as, but as it stands, you know, like, and also like it fits in so well with so many other quests that I've done where it, you know, like I do my, you know, my role that I gleefully fulfill is the enabler of delusions. You know, yeah, and just you know, so much of Fallout Four is weirdly about letting people live in a recreation of the past, and the OSS Constitution just kind of fits right into that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Uh, moving on here to Joey, who says via contact, "Uh, I just wanted to offer a quick defense of the perk system in Fallout Four and why it really worked for me. I love how you can spec into a build and dive right into the higher tier perks right from the start of the game. You don't have to wait until you hit X level to choose X perk like other games in the series. There are several incredible high tier perks that let you start uh, borderline breaking the game as early as level two or three. The example that resonates most with me is Blitz. I don't know if you messed around with Melee at all, but this perk basically turns you into Siri from The Witcher 3, uh, teleporting around rooms and slicing enemies to bits using vats. Once you create a build around it, you can teleport around the battlefield, killing five plus enemies in one vats use. It's incredibly satisfying to choose several enemies in vats, uh, watch your melee attacks play out, and then see all of the bodies hit the floor because you let them uh, <laughs> when you come out of it. Uh, it's worth a look on YouTube if you haven't seen it in action uh, and i think it's one of the coolest things that bethesda has come up with the luck perks let you do incredibly fun things with the new crit system early on as well i just feel like a lot of the perks are more geared toward exploration and scavenging and combat uh just like the game itself and many of them synergize with other perks and the legendary weapons armor attributes in ways that really let you dominate combat situations yeah, I, I'm familiar with Blitz. Blitz uh, increases the range in which you can do melee attacks uh, in VATS. Mm-hmm. So you'll dash a little bit further. Um, I, I don't... <clears throat> this felt more gated to me mm-hmm. um, than than other ones. Like, yes, if you had the stats, like if you somehow had a character with 10 strength, you could take the level 10 uh, perk. Yeah. A lot of stats, though, uh, had level gates within their individual levels that made mm. it feel limited to me. Yeah. So like, for example, you couldn't make somebody who was really good at picking locks. Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't available. You could make somebody who could pick shitty locks. Yeah. And then you had to wait for a certain level cap to be able to be slightly better at it. And then another yeah. level cap to be slightly better at it. And that's how it felt like a lot of the perks worked to yes. me. Yes. Felt like you could technically get the first level, like the first level of the perk, uh, but uh, the real gold or the thing that would like make it broken feeling was hidden one or two ranks up, and those were those were gated behind levels as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the fact that so many, I agree that the perk system is geared towards exploration and scavenging, um, but a lot of those felt mandatory in a way that I wasn't experimenting with the more bonkers perks until. You know, because I had those on my my task mask. Mm-hmm. So, like, being able to keep up with the lockpick and hacking ecology and the, like, weapon and armor modification mm-hmm. stuff to, to stay uh, competitive in my gear meant I didn't have points to spend on, on other stuff. Yeah. So maybe I didn't need to keep up with that stuff, mm-hmm. but it really felt like I did. Yeah. You know, it, it felt like uh, the biggest upgrade I could make to my character rather than choosing, like... 
critical banker or something like that was always going to be the next level of gun nut because I could then mod my damn my gun to do more damage. Mm-hmm. Which, which uh, was like really felt like the most important thing at the end of the day. Oh yeah, especially to keep up with the curve of enemies getting more durable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so yeah, was was not my experience, but I am I am glad that it uh, worked out for Joey. Mm-hmm. No, uh, moving on to Jack here. Jack says via contact. Knowing how the story progressed in Fallout 4, I decided immediately that the Brotherhood had to go, but I wanted to play nice with them since Maxon's battle coat is one of the coolest looking and best ballistic weave armors in the game. When the Pridwin finally uh, did show up and Dance excitedly invited me up to it, I knew that was my chance. I geared up in power armor and a fat man and took the vertebrate ride up. <laughs> it used me to no end to hear all about the Brotherhood's plans to save the Commonwealth, Commonwealth knowing full well that I was going to be blowing them up. The role play of my character going, uh-huh, that's nice, as they loaded <laughs> a mini nuke into their fat man was super funny to me. When you first get uh, to the Pridwin as a recruit, you have to talk to a sergeant uh, to get your orders. I don't know if this is just if this is on purpose, but at the end of his dialogue tree, you can just repeatedly ask him what your orders are. After five minutes of repeatedly asking and interrupting to ask for my orders, I made uh, my way to Maxon. I gave myself some clearance. Not even two lines into his speech, he was looking to the other side, uh, looking at the other side of a mushroom cloud. <laughs> the preceding fight with the Brotherhood was the most fun I've had with the game, even if the rest of the world didn't react to my assassination and ended up bugging out on game quests. <laughs> Bethesda. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a rich and storied tradition of taking on the Brotherhood mm-hmm. uh, in Fallout games. Yeah. Um, I, I love this. I, I love just uh, uh, working your way in. You know, not for like any real like moral reason, but I gotta get that jacket. Yeah, it's a good jacket. <laughs> it's a good jacket. Yeah, good jacket. <laughs> Hard to find. Oh man! Uh, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, Colton writes mm-hmm. in contact saying, "Since you enjoyed the settlement building part of Fallout Four, I wanted to share my build ideas with you all. My first creation was a monster arena at the drive-in settlement." I enclosed the entire parking lot area with high walls. Next, I set up multiple creature traps that would randomly spawn raiders, mercenaries, Mirelurk schools, death claws, etc. I hooked up a giant electrical grid. Each category of creature had its own switch uh, that would release the trapped fighters. I also wired up uh, a master switch to release all the creatures at once. Finally, I set up a viewing platform atop the giant screen to roleplay as Caesar, uh, watching his gladiators. Sorry, this is Fallout Kaiser. Uh, watching as gladiators. Um, another really fun build was converting the fort into Foucault's Panopticon. In short, I sealed off the broken walls of the fort to form a somewhat continual round wall. I built tiny shacks along the along the walls. Farms and water stations were set up at the bottom layer, and scavengers and other jobs were set up on the higher levels. There is no way for a settler to leave their tiny prison home. As the cherry on top of the prison, I built myself a tower manor in the, in the middle of the fort uh, with enough openings to look out upon the employees. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we also, had, there was another person whose response, uh, I, I, I ended up cutting for time, uh, but they described how they inadvertently became Amazon by, uh, building oh. up, by, by building up all of these kind of like factory farm kind of places, uh, and then, uh, replacing all of the workers with robots, uh, when a Tomatron oh, yeah. came around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, just like p- picking the, just intentionally picking the most dangerous like supply routes for the runners to take, you know, stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. Not allowing anyone to piss. <laughs> senpai yeah. Oh. yeah the uh the dirty water object 
in Fallout 4. <laughs> that like milk carton that's been reused for water and just has a piece of masking tape that says dirty. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, on it. Like that's I love where how sad it is. It's very sad. Yeah. Uh Necronomajon uh, says via contact. Uh, I've been a resident of Massachusetts all my life. When I was young, my father worked in the state house and would ominously refer to the rules and restrictions of the Commonwealth. One of my friends is a descendant of the official state hero of Massachusetts, a very angry senior citizen who ambushed who ambushed some British soldiers that strayed too close to his farm. This was in 1934. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, I, was, I started rewatching uh, Nathan for you. Uh-huh. Uh, and the part where John Ben, the first episode, John Benjamin's teaching him the, the job interview uh-huh. things. He's like, yeah, my mom died in the war, the Iraq war. <laughs> she worked under Saddam Hussein. Like, <laughs> very funny. God, I love that uh, show. <laughs> uh, I was beyond ready for Fallout 4. I ended up having a lot of problems with the dialogue and story, but I'm going to be the guy that goes to bat for the Minutemen. I thought that base building was one of the most interesting new mechanics in Fallout 4 and served as the backbone backbone of building up my ragtag civilization of farmers. I also really like that becoming the general subverts Bethesda's trick. It always felt unfulfilling to me when picking five pockets... Uh, and doing two breaking and enterings, you got promoted to CEO of the Thieves Guild. So the idea of being general of a betrayed and destroyed two-man army made me smile. Lastly, I think my Blue State 2016 brain really affected how fondly I remember the Minutemen. Imagine a group of good people uh, from my home who rejected the inhumanity of others and welcomed folks of all kind. A group who, together with Laser Musket and Mute Fruit, stood against techno-fascist and plunderers and said, uh, in the fashion of our state hero so long ago, we are the Commonwealth, get off our damn lawn. Now that's escapism. As a fellow man out of time, I thought I should let you know that the real Salem has no death clause, but does in fact have a statue of Samantha Stevens from Bewitched. The main character of my favorite show. Yeah, Cole, uh, the, the Cole's reason for being. Mm-hmm. Bewitched. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That does not diminish my desire to visit Salem. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I, I look at a statue. Yeah. Whenever uh, we went to Milwaukee, it was always fun to go by the bronze fawns down by the river walk. Yeah. It's tiny. It's life size. <laughs> yep. Microphones. <laughs> yeah. Now that's an yeah. NFT that I can get into. <laughs> non non fonsable <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Uh Rose says via contact. Uh when I played Fallout 4 as a young man in 2015, I fully bought into the railroad. Their quote badass quote vibe, uh fight the system vibes got to me. Playing Fallout 4 in 21 in 2021 as an older woman, uh I'm much I am much more into the it's good to be good Minutemen. Uh, something about crafting a big mutual aid network across the Commonwealth gripped me, having grown from the past six years of American politics and decay. Honestly, it made me crave for a game about setting up mutual aid networks and community building, uh, which Fallout 4 only scratched the surface of unintentionally. Uh, unrelated, Codsworth saying my new name, Rose, allowed during gameplay, provided me some nice gender euphoria. Kept the trans ally robot with me the whole time uh, this run. Uh, thank you for all that you two do and the, uh, for all that you two and the rest of the duck feed team do to keep the network inclusive to transgender folks. Thank you. Godworth says trans rights. Yep. The, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a bro and an ally and a comrade. Mm-hmm. The, uh, well, yeah, that's great. 
that is, that is uh, super good to hear. That I uh, so I, I so in the Slack we talked a lot about uh, just because we have you know large trans community, and I've talked uh, the idea of being able to make a character and that having an impact mm-hmm. uh, to to trans games players much stronger than mine is really interesting. Yeah, and something that I've always uh, you know when I realized that unlocked a lot of my understanding. Yeah. You know, with, with games that seem to be very popular, uh, mm-hmm. that I, I was just like, Oh, like this, you know, isn't that exciting to me? You know, I'd rather play Witcher three because it has a specific character mm-hmm. and that not going as far. Yeah. When part of the appeal is making a version, you know, resonates more with, with making a version of yourself. Yes. In the game, you know, and, you know? and that, that's something where like, you know, even if something like mass effect or, you know, dragon age, T- tends to you know suffer someone in the design and and our uh you know and, and, and our evaluation of them like if those were still incredibly valuable for you know specific groups of people in in you know being able to model and live in a game as some yeah. you know as, as someone you know so the you know, that, yeah, it, that that even outside of like the quest design and stuff like that the actual nuts and bolts of it that providing that opportunity for people is a uh you know it, it's an it's an inarguable good yeah, very valuable, and it's cool to see. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jake writes via contact, saying, I wanted to write in to give some perspective on the survival mode. Generally, Bethesda games, I will play through once on normal, but then my subsequent playthroughs are all survival. I find the deadlier combat helps get around some of the issues that I run to that I run into with Bethesda combat at high levels. As long as you keep your weapons upgraded, both you and the enemies die in just a few shots. Uh, the only time you run into uh, bags of hit points are the big, terrifying bosses. Additionally, the food, drink, and sleep requirements make scavenging more rewarding and necessary than in the base game. Having fast travel disabled uh, means uh, enforces you to be uh, to more carefully consider how you pack provisions, especially for longer quests where you might be away from base for several days. The balancing act between supplies, ammo, and loot that you pick up uh, scratches the same itch as Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, I like the one of the things I like about the survival mode of Fallout 4, even though I haven't spent very much time with it, is that everyone double does double damage. Yes. It's not just, you know, the enemies. Yeah. Uh I think that's really smart. Mm-hmm. No. You know, uh just combat being deadlier in general is something I can get behind. Yeah. Shorter, more tense, higher stakes uh combat yeah. is uh is, is a good and cool thing. Um yeah. and everything Agreed. that Jake laid out was why I enjoyed the survival mode in uh in New Vegas like mm-hmm. bringing more meaning to the scavenging is a is is a huge deal part of the reason why i felt less desire to dip into that for fallout 4 aside from the fact that i was playing it for a show and like fast travel is you know necessary to cover the distance that i need to in the time that i do is that mm-hmm. like they found a way to make scavenging super necessary and satisfying even outside of that mode so it's cool that it just kind of you know, the the survival mode doubles enhances. down on that, yeah, enhances as yeah, opposed to cool. like just adding <laughs> adding scavenging and making it uh you know bare bones necessary like it would in previous ones. Yeah, yeah. Fallout Four is also very long. True. Uh, to have a, a survival mode experience, like if you're just playing it to to play, like sure. If you're trying to get through the game though, doing it in survival mode just it feels like attack like double the length. Mm-hmm. you know, the game, like having to, to sleep and not being able to fast travel and everything. And that was just not going to be tenable, obviously for the show, but even just kind of in general, like, yeah. I don't know if I had a, you know, a 300 hour 
Fallout 4 playthrough in me. It seems like it would be uh, fatiguing. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, Ross says via contact, it's either here nor there, but I rarely play DLCs, even for games I really enjoy. Hearing that Far Harbor would be this month's premium episode, however, convinced me to dip back in. Between not having played Fallout 4 for many years and your mention about how the Far Harbor's your mention about Far Harbor's general plotline, I decided to age the appearance of my character and to play it as if uh, it were many years after the conclusion of the main quest line. As such, it's been very enjoyable revisiting old characters and getting the band back together, with many combat encounters feeling akin to the courtroom scene in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> Good pull. Yeah. Uh, I was never able uh, to keep up with and meaningfully participate in the Slack, so I want to mention how much I value Duckfeed and thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Ross. Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for the support. Sorry for me and things I said about Ross's in general in the first part of the episode. <laughs> yeah, you're his favorite Ross. <laughs> um, I'm really happy. The, the, you know, one of the common things that we heard when we announced Fallout 4 uh, was people uh, saying, hey, I want to give this a second chance or getting back into it. And then also now knowing how badass uh, Far Harbor is, the number of people who picked it back up to play Far Harbor. And see it. Like yeah. This has been a big, uh, uh, a good month for people participating along, along with the we show. Did, uh, Minerva's Den. Yeah. I like making people play good DLCs. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's easy to skip yeah. over them. Um, especially yeah. if you didn't care for the base game. Although Bioshock 2, come on. Love the base yeah, game. Come base on. game's good. Come Damn on. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to round out here with, uh, with Gwillem. It's a longer response, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Gwillem says via contact, supposedly I'd played Fallout 4 for 120 hours. All I could remember is there was a trench coat robot and people had really strong opinions about synths, mini Vogue versus ARP and so on. Is that ARP or ARP, Gary? ARP. ARP. Okay. Uh, revisiting Moog. it. <laughs> Moog. Sorry, mini Moog. I know that one. I should know better. Uh, revisiting okay. it. Uh, I can see why nothing stuck. It's just a bit dull. Uh, but I at least managed to finally put a finger on the vibe that I get from it and from Bethesda in general. That vibe is Nathan for you. Honestly, I think this ob observation is intuitive and self-explanatory, self but I will show my working. Obviously, there's the unrelenting monotone, but that's just surface level. It runs deeper. There's a very particular, carefully honed brand of tone deafness to Nathan's suggestions. They're never strong ideas, uh, and they're never passionate ideas, but they do bear at least some resemblance to actual business advice. There's usually a recognizable kernel of agreed best practice somewhere in there. It's just surrounded by surreal nonsense. But because the nonsense is delivered with the same unwavering sobriety as the kernel of truth, everything gets swept away, swept away in the same flood of detached absurdity and the whole process winds up coming across as a kind of ritualized satire and that is how exploring a dead man's memories came to be the most boring thing that has ever happened in a video game you see it follows on paper the mindscape is a good well for video games to go to it's an overdone idea at this point but it's also psychonauts so it shouldn't be a death march that's the recognizable kernel but the detached Bethesda style is just so all-encompassing that the results are almost performative in their awkwardness. A, w a weird ritualized stage play uh, with mannequins 
Christians so pointedly lifeless that it all comes across like some kind of satirical sketch. What if Bethesda made Hearts of Stone? 67 views. <laughs> they even made it dull to watch. Uh, they made it dull to walk over the big squishy synapses that sprout and grow from the eternal void. And honestly, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. Uh, it truly is a towering achievement in the field of unflavored for me. Um, and though it's just one scene, it's representative. When that scene is long and boring, of course, the rest of the game is. What choice would it have? But I did like the trench coat robot. Make your robotic Bethesda NPC an actual robot and I'll forgive them for anything. A flesh human staring at me with their, as they flatly read their script will always ring hollow. Uh, but I'm told it's a robot doing it. That's amazing. I'm sold. Of course, he doesn't have facial expressions. Uh, it's not even a face. It's a fabric cover over cogs and it's amazing. Shitty robots and everything from now on, please. Yeah, I, I did do not uh, was talking to Willem in the Slack. I don't find the deliveries in Fallout for this egregious at all. Yeah, it is a, a powerful moment of alienation uh, with them. <laughs> yeah, because like it's like yeah, that that, that part is not great. Mm -hmm. You know, but it was it would never like I wasn't like oh this is a death march. Like mm -hmm. I I got the the impression that just like. Um, immediately someone said anything it was just like oh my god ugh. <laughs> you know from this and i just didn't have that experience yeah no i don't i don't know how else to explain it it doesn't it's, strike me as being that egregiously bad i you know i think that just uh you know we, we often call it like a uh like a cilantro thing i think there's you know something akin to maybe misophonia just like the wildly different sense sensitivities right yeah it just it, it didn't feel like we were playing the same game yeah you know it, it's not uh it's not delightfully you know delightful sparking dialogue or anything like that but it mm -hmm. just didn't feel that like <clears throat> when i think about you know just kind of bread and butter games we do for the show yeah you know like i think about like singularity is one of those like very average games right like yeah. i liked that game quite a bit mm -hmm. but it's, it's a video game ass video game yes the the deliveries of that didn't seem appreciably that different than this same you know it's the same picture to me mm -hmm. like yeah i don't know it's just real weird. I'm I'm glad I'm not as off put by it. Yeah, because no. I would have had less fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just didn't bug me that much. Mm -hmm. I was just entertained by the yeah. Nathan for you comparison. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I get it. Yeah, it didn't seem that that flat to me, uh, <laughs> nor that much of a failure. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't have him uh, selling. ESL business owners on things and wasting their time. Yeah. Which is the weird reverse asterisk on Nathan for you that makes me feel a little queasy on rewatch. <laughs> a little bit. That, 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 yeah. that, that, like event, it's a good that show. It's kind fades. of mean and awful a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like it's yeah. funny, but it's mean to real people. True. It's not mean like, you know, review is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, nobody's getting hurt. <laughs> True enough. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot more responses, um, and some of these I truncated down. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Um, yeah, we appreciate. So, sorry, sorry, if yours didn't end up making it in because lots of folks did. Uh, if uh, you have anything to say about January's games, which are Super Mario Brothers Three, Dark Messiah of Might and Magic, or The Sinking City, uh, please write in to duckfeed.tv/contact by January fifteenth. Yeah, and you, if you have things to say about February's games, do the same by February fifteenth. Uh, February's yes. games are Professor Layton and the Curious Village. 
Yes. And before we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> like, how are you guys going to do that? We'll figure it out. Yeah. Just, just, just yeah, don't d- worry. describe the whole trip to the cracker barrel, you know, yeah. uh, from yeah, walking we're, in we're, through we're, the store. You know, yeah. We're not going to describe similar to the witness. We're not going to describe individual puzzles. Mm-hmm. That's the line I'm drawing in the sand. Uh, you know, standout puzzles or specific like little puzzle modes. Uh-huh. I want to talk about if we get to the point where we're talking about the mechanics of solving a puzzle, I think we have failed. Yes. As podcasters. Yes. Yeah. So, that would make us ignore I'm, a mooses. Yes. I am. I'm uh, drawing the line in the sand now. <laughs> uh, after that, a game neither of us have any experience with, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm excited to visit uh, Warhammer Dark Omen. Yes, this is a, I think it's a 1998 or sometime around there, PC real-time strategy game. And, uh, Carrie, yeah. I have no, uh, I have no history or catalog with Warhammer, either fantasy flavor or space fascist flavor. So me either. So this is either going to be a recipe for us, like discovering something cool mm-hmm. or people yelling at us because we like it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So you so, don't like those old timey bikes, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's probably going to happen. These are both, uh, both of those are a patron. Mm-hmm. Uh, request um it'd be very weird for us never to have played warhammer and just be like you know what i'm feeling warhammer dark omen yeah i'm also feeling like uh, just... like a like a like you know they made lots of strategy games because you know earlier somebody talked about dawn of war now let's go back to 1998 why don't we yeah, let's use a 19 <laughs> yeah let's do that one <laughs> yeah. uh and then finally uh because of our moving picks around uh, i have two picks in a row mm-hmm. uh so i picked super mario brothers three and then my pick for february is state of decay yes uh game i've wanted to talk about for a long time game rules on the show yeah. yeah it's awesome yeah it's one of my favorite zombie games yeah it's uh, uh it, it, it's it's got a i mean big fallout 4 vibes you are uh do, like doing missions and making runs and scavenging things and trying to build up your uh your little bases for folks yeah that's great yeah. and and having uh working with their individual sensitivities mm-hmm. to each other you know people will get along or not get along yeah um yeah it's real cool so um it's been forever since i played that game so i am really looking forward to dipping back into it yeah it's gonna be real fun yeah uh and then uh yeah so next week we'll be back with super mario brothers Mm three uh for the first episode of the new year yeah um if you like this show head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeed tv kick us some dollars we'd really appreciate that yeah uh you help us out that's the main thing, but also you get uh, lots of bonus content. Uh, you get the full version of those premium episodes, uh, The Sinking City and State of Decay. Uh, also whole shows like Bonfire Side Chat Rekindled, uh, Unfilmable. Uh, if, you're, if you go mm-hmm. up a tier, you get Adaptation Decay. Uh, there's lots, of, lots and lots of stuff there, and it only gets more valuable as time goes on and more content is added to it. So don't wait. <laughs> but it does get more valuable. It does, yes. There's never a bad time to get in. Let's say that. No. Uh, and I think that's about, uh, that's about it. I think so. Thanks everybody. Uh, this is coming out, uh, you know, early release. People are going to hear it before Christmas, whether or not you celebrate, uh, please have a fun and safe end of the year. We'll be back with more later on. Um, and yeah, thanks for making 2021 despite everything. Uh, and there's Indeed. a lot of everything, uh, real, uh, just a, a big successful and fun for us it's been this this is great i love this job yeah absolutely we really appreciate you yeah uh good night see you next week good night